Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. Up. All right, here, here we go. It's How We Sees It, episode 138. This time we're doing a, a Tom Cruise double feature. Uh, we, we had some other stuff in line, but it fell through, uh, not because of any, any bad things, uh, just because uh, we have a guest host that I want to be on our Charlie and Chocolate Factory, and uh, he just requested that we wait till the end of August uh, to uh, do that, and uh, because I really want this guy on here um, for that one, uh, we, we uh, accommodated. So we scrambled things up, and actually we talked about this last week uh, when we were covering Maverick. We talked about the possibility of doing a Tom Cruise one. Actually, we we already kind of I think mentioned what our what our picks would be. So that's what we ended up doing. Exactly, and so uh, I I chose uh, the Last Samurai, which to me is my my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Um, and it has nothing to do with Tom Cruise. It's not like Tom Cruise kills it or anything in this. It's just it's my favorite movie that he's in essentially. Uh, And then you. I chose collateral where it's, I think it's, I think it's his only role where he isn't, where he's a villain, you know, and, um, it's a really interesting role. I'm, I, I don't know if it's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Uh, he's got so many that I listed. In fact, well, uh, but it, it's always stand out, stood out as, as a great performance from him in a really interesting movie and, and has its own philosophy behind it too, that we can get into. <laughs> I want to hear that because, um, I watched it and and I don't want to spoil anything, but I I did, it was kind of bored. Okay. I uh, it, to me I, I mean it wasn't a bad movie, but there is no way that I'm like oh yeah I need to go see that again. Okay. Like it literally was so, but here on how he sees it, one of the things we like to do and we're gonna do that tonight is uh, we pair a cocktail to uh, whatever we're watching, uh, and I'm kind of curious as uh, on what Steve did on this whether he went with the collateral since that was his movie or did he go Tom Cruise specific or uh, did he step out of his uh, comfort zone and, and hit that last samurai <laughs> outside of my comfort zone uh oh I don't um, know I uh... <laughs> yeah I went I went Tom Cruise centric and you know when we first talked about doing you know podcasts that kind of focused on uh, single actors I you know I I, I expect. Uh, that that we'll talk about more of his movies in tonight's podcast too, not just these two, and that's kind of like the basis. But I know we talked about doing maybe Adam Sandler and maybe some yeah. other people too, and and really kind of focus on what they bring to these roles. These two movies, I I think it's fascinating that you were kind of bored with this, and you know, you know, I could tell you what I thought the, the goods <laughs> about this movie, and you know, I wasn't as taken as as you were by last samurai so they're just it they're different they're different vehicles but uh he did them back to back he did them like one was yeah. 2003 one was Three 2004 and, it was like yeah. followed up one with the other and they're completely different different roles but uh for a podcast that likes to pair a good cocktail with uh our <laughs> weekly movie topic this is one of those rare times where our topic Tom Cruise uh, has a whole movie named cocktail. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, So in the uh, 1988 movie, that's where I, you know, it's funny because I you Google Tom Cruise cocktail when you're trying to do a little research, and you just get over overwhelmed by all these these uh, cocktail uh, videos (laughs) and and references. But I thought that was kind of uh, worth exploring a little bit. And uh, in this is a 1988 movie cocktail, and he plays a. Brian Flanagan, a um, 
uh, barkeep. One of his one of his earlier roles, and he he mixed it up a lot even in the early days. But uh, this is kind of one of those watered down saccharine roles. Not quite. Uh, he didn't quite deliver the the goods when it came to awesome filmmaking. This, it was more his leading, leading <laughs> man role, sexy yeah, role. Yeah, this is know. this is the early young young leading man trying to become that new hot guy. Uh, that's that kind of role that was cocktail right, for sure. Right, and uh, he has a he puts on a big show for his you know paying drinking audience in the bar in the in the. Uh, the saloon or wherever he works, the bar that he works in, he he does a, <laughs> he does the last barman poet poem to his crowd of listeners, and that you know I watched it, I and I just watched that part, and it really reminded me or it really stood out as something that I remembered from the movie, and he has part of it is is where he's listing off all these cocktails, the sex on the beach, the schnapps made from peach, the velvet hammer. And then the Alabama Slamma is is what he rolls into, and that one always stood out. I, I don't know what it was, uh, but it, but it stood out just the way he said it. So I thought <laughs> I'm going to find out what that cocktail is, and it's a it's actually a, a cocktail created in nightclubs. It was kind of inspired by the nightclub scene, meaning it had no balance. It was all sweet, and uh, the, the the sweet flavors kind of masked the booze. And the idea was just to get get you drunk. So. So I think I, that's all what you said there, Matt, <laughs> right? Sex on the beach are the very much the same. Which, you know, he kind of had that going for him in, in his early, the early, early roles he did. He could have taken off on that trajectory. So that kind of, the cocktail kind of fits in with where he was precariously at at this point. I think he chose some more interesting roles and didn't get <laughs> completely uh, saddled with the, 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 the watered down uh, to get you drunk or to, you know, just to, just to. Well, that, and that's what you get it. Yeah. And that's what you get at nightclubs and stuff yeah. like that, watered down just to get you drunk kind yeah. of stuff. So uh, I found uh, a recipe. I've had a few recipes. This one I, in particular had some citrus, which I thought might help it get a little bit more balanced. But what it is, I think it originally started as a, as a shot, but uh, uh, evolved into a, a uh, more of a punch. But it's uh, one ounce of vodka, half ounce of slow gin, uh, a three quarters ounce of Southern Comfort, which I yeah, think I is my first, the first cocktail I've made with Southern Comfort. So, a <laughs> uh, half ounce of amaretto, three ounces of orange juice, and a half ounce of lemon juice. Uh, so, I haven't tried it yet, but um, but uh, we'll see how it goes down, and hopefully, it's not going to just be too sweet and get me drunk and. Leave, leave me with a hangover tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's my job. I, I'm the one that's supposed to be too sweet and get you drunk. And uh, I don't know about the hangover, but that sounds like a tasty drink. You know, the amaretto kind of adds a little bit to it. Um, I'm glad I put the lemon in there because the citrus yeah. helps balance it. I don't think it's great, but uh, any any cocktail that has some slow gin, so I, you know, I can pick up a bottle of my favorite slow gin from Spirit Works, <laughs> uh, is is a good excuse to 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 make a cocktail. So so there you have it, the Alabama Slamma. <laughs> I you know I I don't think I've ever had one either, but I knew it had Southern Comfort into it. Yeah, I mean you you can't have an Alabama Slammer without Southern Comfort. They just the two go together. It, it's almost like the the name of the drink was made like, well, we got this Southern Comfort. Let's find a drink that we can make with it. Kind of <laughs> when, you know. When I looked up the recipe, uh, one of the one of the YouTube videos I watched of someone making it. It was a different recipe, but he he went into a whole story about how this is the first cocktail he's made with Southern Comfort because. <laughs> Because that was his his early 
drunken experience uh you know that oh. he can't, he can't drink it anymore and so before he made the cocktail he actually poured a little bit and and took a little sip just to make sure he wasn't going to throw up uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> we all have it we all yep. have it uh yep. mine is a uh, jose uh, cuervo gold um right. it's a hard one for me to do and so yeah i totally get to that and and uh really dry gin um uh, and that was uh, just because uh, the that was the bottle that I found at my grandma's right. house. And mine was uh, peppermint schnapps. So yeah, we all have it. See now, I'm glad I'm glad peppermint schnapps isn't on mine because uh, I love that during the winter time and a nice uh, hot cocoa. Oh man, I could drink those all. I've heard them called different things, but I like to call them Girl Scout cookies. I don't know why. That's just one of the names I've heard for that. Uh, but it's just the peppermint schnapps in the uh, hot chocolate. And it's so good. Any, so anything with Jolly Rancher now, uh, too. Kind of <laughs> right. And you know about that experience. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to uh, talk about that someday on the the podcast. Maybe maybe I'll make a drink and I'll, I'll do a, a Jolly Rancher uh, a, a vodka for that. Um, <laughs> awesome. So uh, my drink, I knew right away what I wanted to do, or at least the theme I wanted to go with, and and I went with more of the movie theme straight out of Last Samurai. And no, I didn't go get a sake bomb or anything. Okay. That. I, I actually did. <laughs> Did not go the samurai route, even though I, I I fully love the samurai tradition and 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 the lore of it and everything like that. I, I think it's really good, but uh, what what really intrigued me was is um, was during this movie uh, it was the character uh, uh, Katsumoto, uh, played by Ken Watanabe. He uh, he was actually nominated and probably should have won for best supporting actor uh, that year with that. He just did it such an incredible job, but he was such an intriguing character and such a strong character, but also uh, funny and, and moving and, you know, emotional and stuff like he just, he had all of it. It, 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 He was one big package in this. uh, And I really enjoyed him. And and I think he may be one of the reasons I really enjoy this movie so much is, is his character. Uh, But one of the things is uh, when he, you know, Tom Cruise's character uh, is captured essentially and, uh, you know, one of the things he, the first time he really talks to him, he, he talks about having a conversation. He just, he wants to have a pleasant conversation, right? And that was one of the themes between them. And so I found a cocktail called a pleasant conversation. Nice. And I was like, yeah, that's perfect. And, uh, so, uh, I had to buy some new stuff for this one. Well, I had to buy one new thing and, and finally used a bottle I haven't used, uh, since probably way, uh, a couple hundred, you know, a uh, hundred, uh, episodes ago, probably. Uh, but it is, uh, equal parts, uh, bourbon. I was running low on bourbon. I had a, I had a bottle, but I happened to be at, uh, our favorite, uh, water and hold bottle barn and, uh, went in there and, uh, I bought a new uh, bourbon I haven't tried. It's uh, Buffalo Trace. So I nice. used uh, one and a half ounces of Buffalo Trace. Haven't had it before, so I figured, oh, this is a great time to uh, to restock my cabinet and get something I haven't had. Uh, the next part is uh, 1.5 ounces of Campari, which is I've had this bottle of Campari around for a while, and I've used it once. And You've used so, it once? Uh, well, invite once. me over. You can make me some. Well, do you have gin? You don't use gin much. I, I do. Ha- no, okay. but I do. I, I always have a bottle of everything. That's basic for the most part. I, so I have two bottles of gin in there. They just sweet don't vermouth. get used a lot. Sweet I do have sweet. I okay, do. Well, then I'm coming over and you can make me a Negroni. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Uh, anything to get you over here. Uh, that's that's what I'm all about. Anyways. Uh, and then the, the next one was Amaro, which I had I, I've never had before. Um, I think it's a it's kind of like a an Amaroto style. It's uh, they call it almost like a um, 
like an after dinner liqueur, you know, it's kind of like a, a sipping liqueur for after you eat kind of to settle your stomach. And so uh, that was another one I had to go out and get. So uh, this was a, a trip to Bottle Barn for me for this one, but I was all about it and I get to now use that Campari a little bit more. So maybe, maybe make a dent in that. Uh, I love the color. It comes out this nice kind of bright red uh, pretty from color the, from the Campari, uh, right? <laughs> from the Campari. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't tasted it yet. So here we go. I don't know. Campari can be pretty bitter. I don't. I'm, I'm looking at your expression. The audience cannot see his expression. So <laughs> he's he's no, he's you know, perplexed. <laughs> so it it has an interest. Like so, um, it actually has a sweetness to it that I was I was surprised by. And I think that might be that Amaro. Uh, it, it comes with a sweetness and stuff like that. Uh, the Buffalo Trace, I don't think, is going to have its own sweetness, although bar bourbon is a little sweeter than regular whiskey, uh, typically. Uh, the Campari, I was expecting a little bit more of a, um, I guess, like a citrusy-type bitterness, but this is more um, kind of a flat bitterness. It doesn't have the citrus. It has that the tannins that you get with with citrus and, and that bitterness, but it doesn't have that that citrusy taste. So it's, it's not bad. Um, this could use, I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, if, if I was going to make this on a, an ongoing basis, I think I'd probably add just a, a, a little bit of lemon juice with this too or a lime juice to kind of get that citrusy back into it, yeah. and I think it would be really good. Has a nice, It has a nice pleasant sweetness to start with, um, followed by that kind of that Campari bitterness. So if you're into Campari, this could be a really good one for you. Yeah, it's like a souring bitter. Not Yeah, definitely not citrus necessarily, but... Yeah, yeah. Kind of uh, cherry, so cherry I, bitter. <laughs> it, it's funny. Uh, it, it's going to sound disgusting and not something you want in your drink, but it, it reminds me of what I would consider an earwax bitter. <laughs> okay. Where it, it has it, it has that 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 bitterness or, or or alum. Have you ever used alum on your like uh, um, if you have a sore in your mouth? It's it's kind of a white powder. I think it's a it might even be a, a thing for cooking, but we always used it for like canker sores or little things like that. And it just sucks all the moisture out of your mouth, and it has that same kind of bitterness where it's it's bitter, but it's not citrusy or anything like that. You know, it, that's you know, what it. I haven't tried that, but that is a great way of explaining it. But back up a second, because you said it reminded you of earwax, and I'm curious your experience with tasting earwax. <laughs> so uh, uh, one time when I was in elementary school, uh, I was one of those kids that would sit there and just fiddle with stuff. And I remember one time I was fiddling with my pencil and, and pushing it in my ear. And because I don't have a great concentration all the time and, and you know, oh, look, a shiny puppy, I had pulled <laughs> that pencil out and for somehow, some reason, stuck it right in my mouth and got a great flavor of uh, uh, earwax eraser. Uh, and to this day, I'll never forget it. So for me... Uh, when watching Harry Potter and and uh, Dumbledore goes, alas, earwax when he gets the the, right. the the bean, I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> Where a lot of people might not know what that is, I was like, dude, I got you. I know what I know what you're going through. So yeah, it's it's not like I was I was actively going to figure out this. It was just one of those things. Is like, oh, oh, that's that's not good. I I I, I need to pay more attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. That's great. Uh, so that that's my earwax story, uh, but yes, it, it uh, it's not bad. I, I was really surprised with the sweetness. Um, that Amaro uh, probably is definitely um, kind of like a sweet sipping uh, liqueur that you would have after dinner. I, I could see that being kind of a something you might see your grandma and grandpa sitting around the dinner table afterwards. <laughs> Always happened. But no, not not too bad. Like I said, 
little little hint of uh, citrus in there, and it might be might be real really good. You know, amaro, right. amaro is actually Italian for bitter, so it actually adds a little additional bitterness to the. Uh, I'm not so. I, I'm just. It I'm, just I'm just looking at. Oh, it. I, it says it's a bitter, I, I, sweet, I gotcha. bitter sweet flavored uh, digestif, which is an after dinner. Yeah, I, I get you, and I didn't taste it directly, so I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't have a ton of bitter, but it has a, a very uh, upfront sweetness to it. So. Anyways, speaking of upfront sweetness, let's get into these movies uh, on our Tom, our <laughs> okay. Tom Cruise uh, doubleheader here. Uh, I, I, I thought it was fun doing a doubleheader because I, I remember growing up as a kid, uh, there was always the Almondin Twin Theaters uh, when I lived with my mom in San Jose. And uh, my grandpa would take me and my cousins over there, and it was it was a dollar, and you got in, and you got to see two movies. That's, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, you just don't see that anymore. You just don't see the double feature, you know, where, where they have the back-to-back movies and stuff like that. Well, for the longest time, I mean, up, up to maybe like 10 years ago, I would, I would still go out and uh, plan to see more than one movie. Oh, like, you for know, sure. You, you look up the times and it's like, okay, when can get out, when we can go to that one. Um, I, I remember when I was a, a teenager, I'd take my bike and go to the, the cinema and I would get, I think at least four movies in if I could, you know, nice. Um, and usually Raiders of Lost Ark was one of them. Cause that was playing <laughs> all the time. And, uh, at the Cynodome theater in, in, in Anaheim, just because, because you got to catch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because when movies came it. into theater, then it wasn't like they were gone in, in, in six weeks. They they stayed yeah. because because people kept coming back to watch them. That one's that well, one there was, was theater for more than a year. And there wasn't a lot of other ways to watch things. So, yeah, yeah no, I right. get you. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I did a lot of that timing. Uh, you know, oh, this gets out here. I got five minutes to get to the next one, and that one gets out this, and I got five minutes to get to. Yeah, I've done that. I've done the the movie hopping myself. Uh, I actually had contemplated this last week uh, when I had COVID and I was home uh, going to the theater. I was going to try and catch uh, 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 the new the Maverick uh, in uh, the theater again before we did the 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 podcast last week and then i was gonna try and catch an extra uh, love and thunder afterwards but uh-huh. i figured i'd stay home and not subject anybody to uh, my covidness and and so i i didn't do it but i thought about it i really wanted to all right let's get into this uh interesting enough on these two um that uh you picked one collateral this is not a movie i would have um expected you to pick as far as you know your wheelhouse uh we me and my wife sat and watched it uh first time for me seeing it um so it was it was all new to me. Uh, I watched it all the way through. It it it's not a bad movie, but I just was not engrossed in it. It didn't keep my attention really. I like there was nothing fabulous about it in the story to me at all. I I thought it was kind of just ho hum, really. Um, it, I I I I see what you say about Tom Cruise's his his role and and you know it was different for him because he was kind of a villain. But they also try to play him up as kind of a, a likable villain, you know. Oh yeah, he brings his charm, and and I think that's, you know, one of the things that Tom Cruise can bring to a lot of the roles he does, which are, you know, very often he plays the heroic, uh, everything. Yeah, uplifting role, the one that you know, uh, and and gosh, I've got all his movies listed in front of me, and he's probably, you know, I'm looking at it. And he's got, oh gosh, probably about, well, I'm not going to count them, but maybe about, maybe about 40 movies here listed. 
And oh, at least easy. There's there's only um, two of them I think that I haven't seen. Uh, Valkyrie and uh, Lions for Lambs, kind of almost almost back to back. But everything else I've seen, just because he brings something to the roles. He's you know everyone knows Tom Cruise. He's got his baggage, which isn't re- I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's kind of notorious for his Scientology, although he doesn't parade that around. That's no, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, so it's not like he's, he's, he's knocking on our doors and trying to sell his, his, his religion to us. That's just because paparazzi and everything kind of tries to dig what they can into him. So you can't, you know, I think his, Probably the thing that did it the most for people was when he jumped up on Oprah's couch. And, oh, Oprah and, couch, yeah. Yeah, and 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 but other than that, he's he really brings so much to the roles he does. Because I mean, a lot of these movies are leading man roles. Uh, Some yeah. you see like Harrison Ford in uh, that doesn't have much range. But one thing Tom Cruise <laughs> does have is range. He can he can bring. You know, I'm going through this, and every other movie is kind of his heroic leading man role but then on the other side you look at the other every other movie and it's something more unique where he's exploring and i think he's kind of in a rut right now where he's stuck on sequels because maybe it's the movie industry just doesn't have as much variety uh to offer and he's he's a creature of of the theater of of motion pictures he's he's i don't think we'll see him in in netflix uh, or uh, <laughs> a Netflix original. Yeah, well, a lot of people are doing crossovers there, but I, I think he wants to stay on the big screen. Um, and well, he's also he's also in that producer tra- chair a lot yeah, now, and, yeah. and trying to run that, and and so I get that. Now you say he has a lot of range, and that to me uh, seems a little odd. And and not to say he he doesn't do some different roles, but I don't I don't just remember I, him being so different in anything where i, I know you know, he... my wife and i were talking about this i it was, it's funny because i uh i was she didn't watch last samurai with me uh yesterday when i watched Damn. it and uh so i was trying to explain it to her because t- she thought she had seen it and i said i said it, you know it's about a guy that is <laughs> that is in um you know he fought the civil war and he gets hired you know, in America, and then he he gets hired by uh, by the Japanese to train their army to defeat you know the samurai or something. I mean, it was just kind of yeah. broad strokes. And she said, "Oh, like Ted Lasso." <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was great, so I, I have to throw that out there <laughs> that Ted Lasso was inspired by the Last Samurai. So there you go. Um, that's that's funny. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. Yeah, but oh. um, but I do think that if you look at his roles, you know, he kind of early on he kind of fit into a to a typecast, but then he he kind of developed this cocky attitude with a lot of his roles that stood out and, and elevated him. Where you, I know we talked about Rain Man last week that I don't think yeah. you cared for him in that, but but I kind of defended him and said that was the role, that was what he brought to it. Um, See, I thought he was kind of ho hum in it. He was just okay. a normal guy. It was it was more about Dustin Hoffman in that. Oh yeah, in, in that movie. But I thought he played off so well there. He, he he brought his own his own charisma to that role. And then you look at you know oh we got Days of Thunder and and Cocktail. Days of Thunder was pretty good. No, but I'm just saying those are kind of those those oh the straightforward yeah, leading man yeah the the roles that the the brat pack would kind of uh, pick. Uh, but in between you had. 
Color of Money opposite uh, um, Paul Newman. And uh, right. I think that was Scorsese directing that too. And, and Born on the Fourth of July, where he plays Ron Kovic, you know, as this wheelchair ridden, or an yeah. actual uh, actual character where he's he he doesn't look the part. He does he's not doing the Tom Cruise, um, you know, wink at the girls and try to sell some movie tickets. It's something far from that. Um, uh, you know, he got a lot of crap for Interview with the Vampire. Um, I, I know I'm going through his movies because I did I did print them all out here, but it's really impressive his his range and and so I think for a leading man for a brat pack leading man he has a lot more range than than some people who get a little bit more typecast in in what they're doing. So I will still defend that, and I think this is a good representation I, of his ability <laughs> to uh, to uh, present himself as as a villain in in a I th- I think a very interesting role. <laughs> so. I, I agree with you. Uh, to me, more that when you when I talk range and stuff, it's one of those ones where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio comes up, where he is so different in his characters that they they almost don't even seem like they could be the same person, right? Where Tom Cruise is a lot of his you know, you you say range, but then again. He looks. He's just. It's like, oh, you just plug Tom Cruise into that. He he, right. he he has range, but it's also capped with this Tom Cruise ness, where <laughs> you you lose. So you know what I yeah. mean. You lose well, some of the fact that like you can't not think of Tom Cruise in that. And he's stuck with all these sequels, with the Mission Impossible ones, and and you know he tried out Jack Reacher, and and now he's got <laughs> Top Gun, um, where it was pretty much all the same character, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, he does have that going for him, but I, I do think he, he, he likes to try new things and, but yeah, he well, does, he, he does kind of have that Tom Cruise-ness. <laughs> yeah. Where it, it's a, like, you can't, you can't, pull the, you it's can't a good pull, adjective. You, yeah. can't, you can't pull away from it. Um, one of the cool things about him that I like and, and, uh, definitely last samurai, uh, pulls it out. I, I was trying to find something that collateral may have done but he engrosses himself into the characters. He spends a lot of time preparing. Uh, so for for Last Samurai, he spent nine months just you know training uh, in uh, Bushido with the, with the, you know using the sword and things like that. You know he ended up putting on twenty pounds just from the workouts he was doing. Uh, you know the the daily workouts with the sword and stuff. <laughs> so I was like, and and you know we know that with Tom with a uh, Top Gun. He did all the flying and stuff like that. He really, you know, he, he immerses himself into these characters like that. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out what was it about Collateral that he did. And so I was reading one of the synopsis things off of uh, IMDb. And uh, the the idea is that the character, I'm, I'm blanking on the character name right now. Vincent. Uh, Vincent. <laughs> Vincent. Yes. He's supposed to be able to just move in and out of crowds and be like, he's, he's almost invisible because he's so plain and just, you know, he, he, he has a forgettableness or whatever. And so one of the things that they had him do was, uh, dress up as like a UPS delivery guy and deliver packages in, in downtown LA, you know, as Tom Cruise and try not to get noticed. Really? Uh, as being Tom Cruise. Oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not sure how that's engrossing. I mean, it is, but it's not. It, it just, I was like, okay, interesting. Because I didn't pick that up uh, as a character trait of this uh, this assassin watching it. And and that's where I, I feel this movie lost me. And, and maybe I rewatching it or listening to some other people talk about it, I would pick up on it. But I just didn't see it as like 
there was no character to me to the story for him specifically you know the jamie fox character who i didn't really care for either i, I thought it was kind of like boring in a way too he was kind of more of the story guy like you know he had the more of a change in in his his persona throughout the the show interesting because didn't you say in last samurai the guy got nominated for uh, best supporting actor for yeah. Academy awards jamie fox did too in a supporting role you know which is yeah. interesting because uh, how do you define a supporting role <laughs> you know uh, especially in a movie that that it features probably jamie fox more than it does um, I, I think you're right in that. I, I'm almost, I'm almost at that point where, yeah, is, is Jamie Foxx really a supporting role? It's more of his story with with Tom Cruise being a protagonist. Where on the Last Samurai, it is definitely Tom Cruise's story. Uh, yeah. With yeah. So um, one of the yeah. things I think that Tom Cruise brings to it is kind of a a, a menacing restraint, and and a and a and a and a really a a believable rationalization in what he's doing and what he and and his you know the Vincent philosophy that he kind of spits out every once in a while but but I think I think it it comes across as from an audience member uh engaging it's like oh you know I I see where he's coming from which is which is perverted in a sense <laughs> but I, but I think his ability his ability to deliver those lines in a way that really um intrigues you and makes you think it's like oh Okay, he's trying to defend what being an assassin is in such a rationalizing, calm, and collected way, and um, so I I think that's something that is a little bit more menacing than someone who overacts the role. You know, I I uh, Javier Bardem actually was had a role in this movie. Uh, he's the one that uh, shows that that when Vincent or when. Uh, um, Max has to go and retrieve the extra two. Oh, right, two right, yeah. And he goes into the into the nightclub and meets with, um, I think it's Felix, uh, who is the character that Javier Bardem plays. But, you know, coincidentally, Javier Bardem won an Academy Award for his performance in um, No Country for Old Men as right. another kind of um, intriguing assassin. Um, very different roles, but, but I think... Uh, I think it's fair to look at both of those and you can draw some really interesting, do some interesting studies. I, I, I think it's worth studying. I, I mean, I think, I think Tom Cruise brought enough to that role and this, and you know, this, this screenplay too, uh, that, that made it worth for me a rewatch. I get, I'm fascinated every time I watch it and I'm kind of drawn into the things, to the conversations that they're having, his kind of charm and, 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 a total lack of empathy, but still this ability, and that's that's where that's where Max is so is so empathetic that that's that's what uh, Vincent uses to kind of draw draw Max along. Is like I'm going to kill these people. I'm going to kill these people if you don't if you don't drive me around. And um, so, um, but that but that's okay if you weren't drawn to it. I I just think it was worth I, it's always engaging to me when i watch it no no i and i get it and i can see where people will like it and it, it's not a horrible movie i'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> movie i'm just i was just it just wasn't it didn't do anything to make me go oh i need to watch that again to understand some stuff now the, well, you, the interesting part to me was uh the the character of uh fanning he comes on that's the first detective right that uh he's the one that knocks on the door uh, after the first kill, Mark and I'm Ruffalo. like, is that 
I, I was going to get to it, but I was okay. like, it took me forever to figure. I'm like, what is with, I know this guy from something, but what is it? <laughs> and I, and it took, cause he, he, he doesn't look anything like he does in his MCU days. It, it, he has that, that hair style. Um, it was, it was straight from like the, the nineties, uh, you know, some of the, the, like, um, I'm trying to think of the, the, not breakfast club, but the uh, Melrose place style guys, you know, with the, the slick back hair and the mustache. And, and I'm looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? And like <laughs> when I figured it out, then I was like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. I can see it all the time. And it just, it, it was funny that that part to me was the most interesting part of the movie. Realistically, Michael Mann directed it and he's done some pretty interesting kind of neo-noir crime uh, movies. He's very into cinematography. I, 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 You probably noticed some of the odd cinematography choices of some of the, you know, when two people are talking together and, and, and you know, they frame the person looking looking towards, they, they, they frame the person looking looking right to the far right of the screen. So it looks like, like you've got half the screen to their back and then it cuts to the other right. person and puts them all the way on the you know, looking left on the on the far left of the screen, it's 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 kind of odd, but it can't, it he really utilizes the widescreen, uh, a lot of a lot of L.A. Um, uh, scenery. He he takes advantage uh-huh. of. Um, I think the 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 cinematographer, the original cinematographer, left after three weeks due to creative differences or something, and they had to bring someone else on. So he's that, that always makes me wonder. You're like, but Michael Mann movies. <laughs> I'm not as, you know, to me, if I, if, if, if you take the Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise out of this and put in just people that are driven by the, you know, that do the script and that's it. And you got just your Michael Mann movie. I'm kind of, okay. It's a fine movie to me. It's their, their performances that got me so drawn into it. So, um, I'm not trying to take this movie and say, this is, (laughs) this is the cream of the crop. Are you sure? But, Pretty sure. I, but I certainly, <laughs> but I am, I'm, you know, I am really drawn to those performances. And every time I, no, watch I, I got, I'm engaged. I got so, so I get you. I, like I said, I, to me, I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It just wasn't for me. And I, I don't know if it was the Tom Cruise performance, the character, the, the writing, what it was. And, and maybe it is because you said it's more, um, has a, a different way of being shot that you get all into that. And where to me, it wasn't, it wasn't the as exciting as, as I was hoping, what? and it didn't have a story to really keep me going. Okay, let me ask you this. The scene when the coyotes show up, which which was a, a total fluke. They were actually just shooting at night. They had their, their really powerful lenses that could pick up the night photography, and coyotes crossed in the middle of L.A., and they, and they photographed them, and they... Sh- put them into that scene and does do the intercutting between the coyotes. You know, there's one of them that looks a little bit more you know, like he's being chased and the other one that has the, the reflective eyes, you know, because of the, how, the, mm. how the lighting is. And it cuts back to Tom Cruise just kind of, or, you know, Vincent staring and, and, and Max staring. And then the Soundgarden uh, music kicks in and you didn't get goosebumps, did you? I got goosebumps, no. man. Every time that plays <laughs> out. So, so to our audience listening, if that's something that you know the poetry of of these sort of moments can can elevate you can can get under your skin and just make you make you think and and crave uh uh 
understanding world and you know there's a, there's a philosophy behind it that kind of just gets me excited well, so <laughs> i think that's what it is is you have you have to you have to kind of put more of your brain power in reading deeper into it i guess is 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 what's really going on in that and i and i didn't see anything I, worth reading i don't know about brain power because because i i mean i it's yeah. To me, it played out. It played out as a story that there was no deeper meaning into it. That that's what I mean. Is I know you're saying that you got all this philosophy what? out of him and stuff like that, and maybe I missed it, but that's I didn't see anything that I needed to. No, to when think I say about philosophy, Hart. I mean that he had his own rationalization of what he yes. was doing, and and I think that was something he believed in. I don't believe in a lot of the but but it was it was compelling. To me, it's just that stuff that gets under your skin that that makes you feel alive you're you're witnessing something something intriguing and uh, uh so so I, it to me <laughs> no, it connects more at an emotional level than a than a than a thoughtful level i guess okay it's thoughtful but not when you say when you use the word brain i, I mean i don't necessarily i mean to... like you you got to think about things you know you you it's not just it's not written out for you to read it's like you have to you have to put some thought into it to figure out you know his philosophy and why he's doing the things he's doing and it's it it is what it is and like i said i didn't get into it and and i don't know it and i did watch i watched this one first uh we watched this one like a i think it was a friday night uh we sat down and watched it and you know it was it was what it was now <laughs> sunday we watched the last samurai all right and i, I have watched this is this is going on in probably my 20th 30th watching of this this movie um this is one that i really really loved when when uh it first came out uh, i watched it multiple times then i've watched it you know i probably watch this about once a year kind of thing it's it's one of those movies that like i can sit down and enjoy matter of fact i i wanted to watch it again so bad yesterday i literally was like you uh, already brought up uh, uh dumbledore's earwax comment as it <laughs> pertains to harry potter and we did we do get uh one what, what, uh, we the do. actor that plays uh what is it peter pettigrew he's or something peter, like yeah, that yeah peter pettigrew <laughs> yeah he kind of has that uh, role where he's the translator for for uh, Tom Cruise's yeah, that's um, uh, Timothy Spall. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. please, Simon Graham. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a, he's a he, wonderful, wonderful actor. He's done some great stuff. He is. He he got a raw deal uh, being in Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> okay, and and here and here's why because he became such a uh, a known character and and he did such a great job with it that. Almost nobody can't not see him as Peter Pettigrew now. Right, it's true. You see, the, it, you see, you see him, and you think of a rat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I did. I I've seen that movie a, mon a bunch of times, but then I, I look at it again. I'm like, ah, oh, goddamn rat. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, he plays a great part. Um, this to me, you know, we you, we were talking about Tom Cruise's range, and this is one where I almost see a little bit more range in him. Um, and it's it's more of his personality where he he lets he kind of lets a vulnerability show uh, you know it, it starts off you know he's 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 drunk uh and he's he's doing the the um he's weapons being around like a like a circus act yeah. you know yeah well and and i mean okay yeah and so it it's but you know we get a little uh glimpse into why you know he he's burying himself in the bottle and stuff like that because of uh the well it trauma. takes a little while before you get to to understand that that was more trauma i think driven. they yeah i think they show a little bit of it in that first part where he's okay. drinking behind the stage they they show a little bit of it not not as clearly as they do later 
right? But then um, they definitely get into it, and, and he definitely has some trauma. You know, he, he was a a uh, you know soldier in the, the Civil War. Then the Civil War was, uh, you know, um, by all accounts and purposes of the timing, was like ended 11 years before the, this. So he spent the next, you know, 11 years in, in whatever form or however many years he was in in the Army. Uh, you know, he was... Uh, dealing with coming across you know the states and and uh fighting the the natives and uh doing some that's atrocious right. things there and, and that's where a lot of his trauma comes from actually that's probably where more of his trauma comes from than the, than the actual civil war uh you know it, it says in there i can't remember if they say it during the movie but uh it's written somewhere that you know he was supposed to be with custard and some other things like that and just some of these things and so you know that's where his trauma comes he feels like he feels like the only thing he's good at is being part of a war and being a killer but that's also what is hurting him the most is that you know uh he doesn't want to be that guy or he's good at it but he doesn't it's not what he wants to do kind of thing and so uh you know i you, i feel that and 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 it's it's one of those things is i think he did such a good job of playing the drunk early and stuff like that uh, then we get where he's over into Japan and uh we he comes up with his other the the officer uh, that was that really kind of shows his uh, where his trauma. It was uh, Colonel Bagley, uh, t- uh, by Tom uh, Tommy uh, Goldwyn. He was the one that you know he's he's kind of the guy in charge of the whole Japanese training the army, and so he's kind of working under him. And that's right. Was he a know. ghost? Maybe I had. Um, I you know I don't I didn't recognize him from other stuff, but uh, uh, he was in Ghost. Okay. Good good call. Um, I asked him from that but, as the villain but, uh, you know, in the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's kind of a villain in this too. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, one of the lines we get from Tom Cruise in this is, is that he, um, he's, he's telling him, he's like, look, I'll, I'll kill whoever you want for, for money, whatever he goes, but I'd kill you for free. And, you know, so you just, you, you know, that he, he just has a hatred for this guy that is beyond belief. And we, and we see why, because that's, that's one of the, the, the main crutches of his, his PTSD is, is that he was the one that, that actually, uh, commanded the, the, the killing of all the, the innocent, uh, you know, village and stuff like that, where he, he becomes part of it. And it, it shows him killing basically women and children and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of his trauma comes from. Um. Uh, Incredible, like, so one of the things, and in, in, um, I know I've seen it before, and, and it just struck me again when I was watching it, this one. The thing that I loved most about this is is that they don't, they don't handhold you into reading everything. They kind of let you play along with it. But if you miss a couple things, you can miss some things. And in the beginning of this one, we get um, uh, Katsumoto has a, a vision, right, of a tiger fighting in a, in a circle of men, right, a white tiger battling you know uh these outnumbered odds and and so when we do get that first fighting scene where the the samurai come up against the japanese soldiers and they just basically overrun them right on horseback and tom cruise is taken from his horse and he's he's surrounded by these samurai and he's fighting to the death kind of thing and uh he ends up grabbing a spear from one of the guys and he's fighting and, and katsumoto watches this and he sees and it kind of mirrors that image he had that that vision and he's holding a spear and it has a a, a white tiger on the on the banner and uh you know it's just one of those things and he I didn't up pick st- up on that so I'm glad you kind of kind of you shared that I think a, I think a lot of people missed that 
Um, you know, because I, <laughs> I, one of the main podcasts, I, I didn't listen to a lot of them, but there was one I found that I had to listen to because their whole crux of all the, all those stuff that they do is uh, they do stuff on, uh, it's it's called white The White Man Won't Save You or something like that. It's all about white, uh, white savior films. And, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this being a white savior film. And I was like, um, I don't think you understand the movie if that's what you think this is because it's really not. No, but... You know, Tom Cruise, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was curious who the last samurai was because in the end of the movie, you know, we got Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. I know, I know, but someone could interpret it that because, because I, I I did read that the Katsumoto character, the the actor who was nominated, Mm -hmm. there was something on, on Wikipedia that said who, who, who played the, who played the title role. So I was like, okay, so that's what's defined. But I could see someone watching it and, and saying, well, Tom Cruise was trained in the art of samurai, and he's the, he's the one that survives in the end. So it's fair to assume that he becomes the last samurai because of his training. Except for um, he was never he was never a samurai. Okay, no, that's but, so that might help. That might be what drives the the, oh, the white, I, yeah. white savior uh, dialogue. Oh, there's. Actually, listening to this podcast, they're looking. They're looking for everything they can be offended by. It's it. it they're reaching for it's it. It's their. That's their go-to. They want to. They want to find these. So they they yeah. they they interpret everything with that lens going into it. So the 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 thing with uh, samurai too. The word samurai is both singular and plural. So. Uh, when they say the last samurai, they could be talking about that entire village, that entire clan. That was the last samurai. I wonder. I wonder if Tom Cruise, you know, ha- he has to be fully aware of his <laughs> of, of the people, the opinions out there that are going on. It's not like he's some dummy that's shut out, shut up in the Scientology box that that doesn't know what people are saying. He knows that. So when he does roles like. The Last Samurai and knows that it's gonna it's gonna piss some people off who want to see more representation for Japanese. You know, you, they don't want Tom Cruise to try to say I am the Last Samurai. I, I mean, I'm just saying that he yeah, knows, and he, he never he knows that if he never, but I'm he just never did that. And even in the movie, he never really. That's what I mean. Is hang people? On. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Tr- I'm not. I'm not trying to talk about the movie. I'm talking about Tom Cruise. Tom I wonder Cruise, if right. that might be why he he goes from a role like that and says, "I'm going to take on a role where I get killed in the end and I'm an asshole," you know, which is the you know the Vincent role or something like that. That 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 just from his own psychological understanding of 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 how people see him, he needs to he needs to kind of if he just always did these these roles where he was a martyr or something like that then then people would turn on him and so he needs to kind of balance that with i don't think he i don't think he puts a lot into that i think he looks at the roles <laughs> and reads the things and and goes you know what this is a story that needs to be told and that's kind of what this was and and, and he was talking about uh him and the director were were doing some um you know I can't think of the, what's the word where they go out and uh, they they pump it out. Uh, uh, Promotion, promotions, yeah. and they were talking about it, and they were talking about how this is based on um, they pump it out real events, like <laughs> right? <laughs> they, they pump it out, uh, but it's 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 based on uh, true events, right? So um, not necessarily there wasn't one clan. There was it was it was several clans over several years. Tom's Cruise character was actually based on a French character or French 
uh, soldier who went and did some of the same things where he ended up uh, fighting with the samurai clans. He didn't he didn't get fully traditional uh, to the point that Tom did in this. Do you think the uh, the story was inspired by this or it was after the movie or while the movie was being no. made? Someone saw, oh, people are going to think that this is, you know, no, it was inspired we're gonna, by we're, we're going to find a story that we can pull out and say, oh, no, look, we were really t- I mean, no, no, it, it was it was it was it was uh, they knew the stories ahead of time. And matter of fact, um, uh, Katsumoto's character, Ken Watanabe's character, uh, was based on an actual uh, samurai who died during uh, that um, that final battle. That there was that final charge of the uh, the horsemen against the uh, the Gatling guns, and that's that's legit from history. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the main character wasn't wasn't in that. He died earlier, but that was the last charge of the samurai kind of thing. And th- there's there's some very significant things where they pulled from actual history. I, I'm stuff, not. So. I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers and saying this movie was doing that. I'm just trying to explore why. No, no. I get be considered one of my favorite moments in the Last Samurai was when uh, when the the first the first person commits what's what's it called uh, when they kill themselves? There's seppuku. A, seppuku. Yeah, uh, which was and and I gotta say the way they kind of hid the actual beheading, um, the way yep. they kind of passed up. Uh, you know, a tree, a tree is as you know, as, as Tom Cruise was kind of looking back. What was his name in the movie? Um, uh, that was Nathan, Al- Al- Nathan Aldrin as Nathan was uh, walking by or as Captain Captain Aldrin. Right. Yeah, he was, he was a captain. Yep. Um, and yep. It was kind of timed really well. But but cinematically and and emotionally, it worked so effectively and draws you into the 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 emotional impact of what a moment like that really is it wasn't just about somebody killing someone it was about people respecting that yeah. you know the enemy respecting uh, their kills death you know so mm-hmm. so uh, that was very powerful did you, and the did you know what did you know what it was before before he explained uh, what he did later in the because they explain it later in the movie because he he goes yeah well, you you know you don't decapitate your enemy and he's like oh no this is what you know I it, did uh, I, I don't think I felt when I watched it the first time I didn't feel like it was um, I, I I I understood the the okay what, what it what it meant just I mean I'm I'm in my fifties so I hope I yeah I, <laughs> yeah I've read some well I mean I yep yeah I I mean. Uh, I got really involved with reading into samurai and some of the culture and stuff like that. And one of the reasons that they have someone there ready to cut the head off is is um, the idea is that when they when they cut themselves, they're not supposed to cry out in pain or or like they're not supposed to utter anything because that yeah. could bring, that could bring disgrace. And that's why they cut the head off. So basically, it doesn't <laughs> before it, they it, cry out it, in pain. <laughs> exactly. It. Yeah. it 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 yeah. basically is is uh, them helping you to to go out without shame, um, and so and the idea is too is that, that I didn't know that part. Yeah, and that's and that's why they cut the head off. Other, it's not it's not necessarily any other. It's it's to protect them, uh, protect their honor, uh, as they as they uh, you know do the cut. And the idea is that they're supposed to go across and then up and make a triangle, oh. but I don't think anybody ever gets that far. <laughs> One one of the things I think this movie got a little bit of criticism, I think actually from Japan and and the samurai culture was how it romanticized it a bit. Uh, it not, did a little, but uh, and and there was a more of a brutality that I almost wish they explored. They they did explore it a little bit with uh, 
Kazumoto when he's talking to uh, Captain Nathan. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, when he's when he's enamored by Custer's, uh, you know, yeah. his last stand and the way he the way he basically marched all his men to death and and that to to him was, <laughs> was like this is a this is a good death and and you know very very Klingon esque and <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think they could have gone a little further and, and really challenged the viewer with with our our emotional uh, connection with someone who who can be so brutal and still kind of draw you in. That's that's not easy, but I think it did kind of keep it a little well, bit more uh, romantic. Yeah. Well, and and so one of the things I read about this was is that you know they based this on several different uh, samurai tribes and clans. Um, and some were brutal, and, and the idea is that, uh, you know, the samurai, one of the reasons they were fighting the Western influence was is that it kind of knocked them down a notch in, in their hierarchy, right? They they were looked at as royalty, essentially, and so it allowed them to kind of walk around without without any rules, essentially, towards them. And so some people abuse that, just like, you know, anytime you have people in power, uh, you're going to find some that are going to abuse it. Now, it wasn't all of them, and it wasn't all clans, it wasn't all, you know, and... and um, this is just my knowledge of it. I, I'm not going to say how much of is 100% true, but there were there were samurai clans where you had a leader and the, and everybody followed him. And, and depending on that, the kind of guy he was, that's how he ruled his people. Now, if he was a kind guy like Katsumoto came off as, you know, he was he was he was very strong and very brutal in 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 his warlike act, but he was also very kind and 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 you know sympathetic. And and he wasn't just gonna kill someone just to kill him kind of thing, you know. He had he had rules that he followed. Now you may have had some of the others that were just brutal and would do whatever they needed to. Uh, we saw that um, in uh, the scene where uh, Tom Cruise's captain uh, uh, Nate was in um, back in Japan, right? Or, or uh, I can't remember where the city, but they. Um, you had the the samurai that were in the kind of suits, kind of more of a westernized. You know, they had the they had the samurai sword, which is the traditional sword of the samurai, the two the two swords together. But they were in uh, suits, so they had kind of more adopted the the western uh, feel. But they were ronin, which means they didn't have a master kind of thing. They were they were probably being paid by. Um, what do you mean? The, 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 what do you mean by western? You mean western movies or or western? No, the the western the. Western like, culture, right? Uh, that was one of the okay. things that, that that's one of the things. If, if you if you don't understand some of the stuff, the, what the samurai were fighting was is is uh, the westernization of Japan, right? The, the they're okay. bringing in the culture. You know, that's why the guys were all wearing suits instead of the traditional, you know, Japanese attire and where you know the Western um, ideals and stuff. And that that was. Um, was it Amaro? He was the 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 kind of Japanese general, the one that had the the ear of the the uh, the oh. emperor. Oh, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Curled mustache and stuff. Yeah, I wanted and, I wanted I wanted to defend my Western comment because a lot of people, <laughs> you know, when I when I asked if you were talking about Western movies, my my confusion is in in film school uh, when when they oh. discuss westerns. There's there's a lot of movies and a lot of them date back to like the old samurai movies, Seven Samurai, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. That that people say inspired western oh, for sure. westerns and so and so when you were saying western, I, I was I got a little confused there. So um, no no no, I meant I meant the western influence on Japan, like the yeah. the cultural influence Good. in Japan. Right. 
Um, and so some some embraced it, some did not. The samurai uh, did not, and they wanted to keep kind of to the old ways. Where some, and so that was a. I mean, talk about some of the best fight scenes in in a Tom Cruise movie. This sword fighting, holy crap! Not only was it good for sword fighting, like this this stood up to a lot of like the traditional martial arts. Uh, uh, movies where they have sword fighting this to me was was on par or better than a majority of those what do you think you know one of the things that stood out in my memory of seeing this movie i hadn't you know i i saw this movie probably back in 2005 i don't think i watched it in the theater i think i saw it when it came out on video at some point so it must have been a couple years after that uh after it was released but um but i remembered that scene when he first faces his, you know, his attackers, like he's got about four or five attackers. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. And I had remembered it backwards. I, I had thought that he had, that everything went quiet and he in slow motion kind of figured no. out how he was gonna <laughs> do it. But, but it. but so I was actually a little surprised this time when I watched it because it all plays out in real time. And then he plays yep. it all back, you know, in, in this slow motion. Um, what what was that about? Why did they do it that way? I mean, I'm, I'm I, do, do do you know? I'm, so I, I don't know. To me, it kind of was a a reverse portrayal of how like uh, we saw in um, like um, uh, what was the uh, the detective, the London uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, Sherlock. Sherlock. Uh-huh. Remember how he he kind of does the whole he see he sees yes. the fight before it happens. Yes. So to me, what happened in this is this and this is 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 kind of playing on on that aspect, except for they were playing with the the whole thing with um back from when he was still in the 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 village, and they, and he kept getting beat and he wasn't getting any better and he said you have too much too many minds, too you know you're thinking too much, right. And so t- to me, what it was is that. He, he thought did after the, he did it. He thought he finally he thought after. He reflected it, reflected yep. on it afterwards. Yeah. No, it was And that to me Yeah, t- that that was my one memory of the movie, you know, this many years later. Uh, yeah. and, and it was it was interesting that it felt like it was more reversed, but but no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that and I think they did that on purpose. It's kind of like that that you see the fight in your mind happen before you do it in in this as they said, "No, no." your body reacts mm-hmm. and then your mind goes back and you replay it in your mind and you go, okay. And that's what it was to me. And that's, that was another one of those scenes. I was just like, son of a bitch is so good. Now, so, uh, hang on. I, 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 <laughs> before we get, you know, we're talking a lot about last samurai. I'm going to throw a scene in from, uh, from a uh, collateral just cause I don't want to lose our ability to go possibly back and forth at times. Sure. So, sure. Sure. So there was, to me, there's this epic scene when uh, Max is waiting out and the guy falls on top of the car. No, no, it's the second. That's the very beginning. Yeah, no, it's the second one where he's zip tied to the to the to the to the. Oh right, right. Oh, the guys wheel. come by and, and steal the. Guys the... Come by. And and they're walking away after stealing the briefcase, and he just and Vincent just wanders out, and and you know this was a moment that was just in an instant when he took them all down, when it was just like yeah. boom, 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 and and. And to me, that that moment when you talk about the fight scenes in Last Samurai, which is a cold, totally different different area, to me, this kind of matched that in a different way. It was it was something that was 
shocking, dramatic, and so well executed the way it, I mean, it was, it was almost balletic how it, you know, how it, how it played out. And, Is that and a so, word? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like it, but I'm not sure if it's a word. It, it I like was, that. It was, it was, it, was a, it was rather than choreographed. It was, it was, I was trying to say it where it, it felt, it felt, it, I don't know. Yes. That's the it word was I very said. Balletic. Balletic. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I've conjugated it correctly. No, you know what that is? Is that's when when you're such a badass uh, uh, gunsman that you, but it looks like ballet. So it's, it's like balletic. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get that in the dictionary. Yeah, and 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 later I'll probably, uh, you know, reference when uh, when Mark Ruffalo's uh, character meets his meets his end uh, because I think oh. that's kind of interesting too. But let's uh, let's go back to the Last Samurai. <laughs> Unless you have a um, comment about what I was saying. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And and to me that that, that scene, um as good as it was, I, I I didn't think it was a great like fight scene, but it what it did is showed that he is a cold blooded, um, quick to fire, uh, very talented shooter. Right. That to me is what that was. It, it was he was cold and calculated and but didn't hesitate. Um, it also showed the difference between someone who's trained uh, and is ready to kill and, and some punk who has a gun who just thinks he's a bad guy, Shit, who just man. thinks he's, he's pumped up. And that's literally what that showed to me. And, and, but the fact that he fired so quickly, you know, he, uh, if, I wanna, if I remember correctly, he like double taps the chest and then one in the, one in the forehead, which is typical assassin, you know, uh, gunsmanship. I think you, he did a double tap him. and then he did a double tap forehead and then he had to go back to the other guy, pick up the briefcase yeah. to do the forehead on that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just, just, uh, just to shoot in that kind of, uh, frame of reference and, and to put two, two close together like that, uh, means you've, you've done some shooting. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but not only that, but just to be able to pull that. So to me, what I got out of that scene was that it, it showed more of his professionalism as a, a cold hearted killer that he doesn't, he's not going to weigh the odds of who they are and why they are and what they are. He's going to do what he needs to do. And, and so I, I got that. I like the storytelling aspect too, and how they show that from Max's point of view, who's still zip tied to the, to the steering wheel and he gets to finally witness, uh, you know, Vincent, you know, take, take yeah. two lives in such a in such a, a, a quick and, and, you know, shocking manner, you know, just boom, boom, yeah. and, and it's over. And um, so that that kind of adds to his whole uh, paranoia about what's going to happen to him, you know. Right. Um, all right. So back to the fight scenes. Um, one of the things I was going to say, there was a, a potential. Uh, dangerous moment during this filming of uh, Last Samurai where uh, Tom Cruise was, was I think it was one of the battles, it might have been that first one where they were doing the choreographed sword battles and he was doing the sword fights and he was on a mechanical horse that is supposed to duck as as uh, the guy swings the sword at him and I think it's supposed to go over his head. Well, the mechanical horse did not move. Oh no. Uh, and uh, luckily, the man that he was doing the, the sparring with or was doing the, the action with was a good enough swordsman that he literally stopped the sword within an inch, like a half inch of his throat. Like if it had been a lesser person, because uh, they used they used live blades in a lot of this, too, that if it had been a lesser person or lesser swordsman, 
we we might not have been talking about any of these Tom Cruise movies. Um, it was we, it was that close. You you know that's you, you know this was back in two thousand three when he did this movie or two thousand two whenever they shot it. Um, right. But but these days I think we're just waiting for him to die. <laughs> you know every movie he does he does some sort of death defying stunt that that you you get to see on screen and you know sometimes well, he breaks an ankle or something like he did in uh, Mission Impossible four or five or six or whichever one that was and well he's he's the american version of jackie chan right he does all his own stunts or you know and that's that's the cool thing about jackie chan is he does a yeah. lot of his own stunts he does pretty much yeah. All of them. um yeah i think he's he has there ever been a tom cruise jackie chan movie that's almost, what we need. Oh my God, that'd be cool. I, I, <laughs> you say he's an American Jackie Chan. That sounds kind of weird to hear that because it's hard. Should we call to, Jackie Chan the, the the Japanese Tom Cruise? Well, I just don't. I think Jackie Chan stands alone as as what he's what he's. Well, that's what I mean. That, but uh, but Tom. That's Cruise, why Tom. That's why Tom Cruise is the American Jackie Chan. We're or, we're saying Jackie Chan is a step above. Yeah, he's striving for the Jap Jackie Chan. Yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay, good. Okay, we're we're adding that caveat. I just want to make sure our listeners yeah. know we're not trying to <laughs> we're not trying to put Tom Cruise at the same level necessarily of Jackie Chan. Oh no, 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 <laughs> not not on not as 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 far as doing your own stunts. Jackie Chan is is God yeah. Almighty on that, and and <laughs> nobody will ever overtake him. I don't think. But nice. yeah, no, I mean Tom Cruise is. I mean, he's doing it though. Uh, one of the things that he also he spent two years preparing for this role. Uh, so much so is that he 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 actually learned Japanese. Um, those those speaking roles where he speaks Japanese, there's no dubs, no overrides or nothing. That's him actually speaking Japanese. Good. That's great. Um, like it's I said just, uh, earlier, it's, just, it's almost like he respects what he's trying to put on film, you know. And I think that I, shows a lot of his character, you know. Okay, though. so that to me is why this movie to me is so good and is not a white savior movie. Is the yeah. character not just Tom Cruise, but the character of of Captain Nathan uh, Aldrin, his growth. In being captured, right? He's in the the village, and and going through and learning, and you know, being um 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 a mat. Oh God, what's the word? Enamored by you know what he sees when these people, you know, as they're doing their things, as they're training. You know, he has that scene where the the two kids are 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 fighting with the boken, right? Which is the wooden swords, mm -hmm. and you know, and he picks it up, and then you know the other guy comes in and, and he just doesn't give up. And it's just one of those God. I, when I watched it, I was like, fuck man, God, I want to do that so bad. I know. Well, I, you know I, I, I watched that and it's like, Oh, that's, that's what Noah trains in. You know, he trains kids yeah. in that stuff. And, and so it was, it, you know, that was nice that it, that it kind of brought that full circle. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I, I know when we did uh, in martial arts at five dragons, one of the things I did is I brought in the wooden swords and taught the kids as much as I, you know, yep. I am not anywhere near a samurai master. I, I, but I, I, you know, I know enough to, to have fun with it. And if I had to pick up a stick, I probably could do some damage. And, and, and not only that, but you're, you're inspirational in the way you teach. And that, that's yeah. not a, that's not something that, every teacher is capable of doing, you know, to have a child just be inspired by, by seeing you, uh, you do that sort of stuff and, or seeing a teacher do that. But I'm saying you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, I was watching that and that's uh, it just his, his transformation, uh, as he walks through the, 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 in, in, you know, the, the village and grows and, and grows in the respect for him and learning the language becoming, 
you know, uh, talking with the kids, like he, there's the older son that he, you know, he has the conversations with and they, and they, they get along really good and stuff like that. And I, I just enjoy that so much. Uh, the, I will say this is not a perfect movie. Um, to me, I almost think he should have died in the bat last battle too. I think that would have been the stamp on the movie that was even better. Or the fact that if they didn't have him die, I'm okay with that as long as they only have him come back and present the, the sword to the emperor and 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 do the, hey, you know, uh, I'm not going to tell you how Katsuboto died. I'm going to tell you how he lived. Um, that part was good. Going back to the village, that I was kind of like, God, come on. This is this is where it's like you had you had everything going for you, and then you pull this shit. <laughs> The it just what the where he he goes back after the end all the other samurai from this village and oh. all the other villages around are, are now dead and he's just gonna come strolling back in and he, that's where i was kind of like that's that was Hollywood that's where saying we need to see this happen and you better shoot this or we're not going to release your movie i you know maybe and and i don't and i don't know if it, it, it's the tom cruise-ness of it Tom Cruise can't be the bad guy. He can't have a bad ending. He can't die at the end. Most Could of his be. movies, you know. Could be. That, I, 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 I don't know, know if that's what it was. I don't know if that's driven by Tom Cruise, though. Right, right, I think right. He, that's his lot in life is that he is Tom this Cruise, is, so he has to he has to accept that he's going to shoot those films because it's in his contract. I, but I don't think that's what he's after. He's after something more Yeah, no. Deeper. I just wish they wouldn't have. I, that, to me, brings the movie down some. Like That, that takes it from a 10 to a 9. Yeah. In, in my mind yeah. um, everything else about it like you know a lot of people brought up the whole fact that you know he he's he's housed with uh, oh, Take shit. which okay before you go too far what was the what's the what's the uh, movie we reviewed the Roadhouse yes Roadhouse. at the very end you know, every, you know, the, there's that whole shootout and stuff, and then Patrick Swayze just kind of comes. And then there's there, there's this big reunion, and they have sex in the lake or something like that, or something like that. It, it's just it kind of has that same feel as, it, as you're this right. in the end. It's like oh, some big celebration, even though the whole all the men have been massacred, but but Tom Cruise is back. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, I think they gave us that just because so they could have a skinny dipping uh, scene in that movie <laughs> in in Roadhouse. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with that for both Tom Cruise and uh and for her. You know, I, I was good with that. <laughs> or, um no, but I that was the only thing about this like um I just there there and a lot of people brought up the fact that and and I'm only saying this in in stuff I've read and and listened to where people were talking about um they didn't like the fact that you know Tom Cruise's character uh the captain uh Aldrin was was put into this home of Take who is the wife of the the red samurai that he kills. Right in the, in that that battle where they, he's surrounded and he the guy comes up to finish him and he stabs him and, and kills him, um, the, and it's one of those interesting things where they're like like why would she end up falling in love with him, and and I get it I I, I understand that it's it's a hard press thing it's one of those is like you know and she fights it in the beginning she's like this guy's a pig he smells why are you doing this to me and and Katsumoto does it great he's like look. He goes, and this is this is uh, to me where it shows a lot of the uh, the Japanese culture of um, the politeness, right? You know, she hates him, but she's polite to him because she's there to take care of him. You know, he he mentions that uh, you know it's very rude to not introduce yourselves, even as enemies. You know, uh, 
it, it's a polite thing to introduce yourself kind of thing. And I was just like, man. And, and so I get where some people come from, but that was one of those ones where it was a little weird too. What the, she is, she learns from her son too, in a sense that, right. Because her son, you know, even Tom Cruise or even, um, Captain Aldrin. 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 Okay. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> Aldrin. Think, thinks Aldrin. that the son is, you know, upset because he killed his father. Yes. And, but she, she corrects him because she has, she has learned that, that no, he doesn't want to lose, uh, him you as a father figure, as, as yeah. a father figure, exactly. And so I think I think it's fair to assume that that she went through that that the, that evolution of character. I agree. Where she was looking out for her son, she can't. She obviously can't have feelings for someone who killed her son's father, no matter what she thinks. Uh, but uh, you know, but but if she, if that changes, maybe that you know, maybe that evolution I, I agree. as well with her. Character. I didn't. I did not have a problem with it overall. Like I was like, okay, I could see it happen. I do, but I understand people having a problem with it because it is a little, especially when they have a culture that's so driven by um, kind of this uh, cultural significance of moments. You know, it's it, you know the the sepako that that's a that's yeah. the the enemy is not considered someone you hate. It's someone that is, or at least I didn't get the uh, sense. Yeah, no, it's it, it's. It, it's a part of life. Someone and, and yeah. So, so you, so if you're teaching your your child that uh, to hate your enemy, uh, that or to to understand your enemy, and that's the person who killed your father, then that's what they're going to do, and then it makes well, it, it kind of brings. It but they also they also mention it several times that you know because he he brings it up. He's like, I killed it. You know, I killed her husband. And he said, No, no, it was a good death. Yeah. He he went into battle knowing that could happen, and 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 so you know it's not. And that's their, and that was their culture, right? They, the, that that is the thing with the samurai. They were, they were warriors. They were they. That's all they were there for was was the the Japanese military essentially before it became the military. So you mentioned um, that you would have liked to have seen uh, Cap Nathan die I, die in the end, or at least that was something you were interested. In. How do you think you would have wanted to see that scene? Uh, Play out, play out. Would it have been like a glorious death or something a little bit more in the background, so that I, th I think it ends. Could it... have more the the. No, no. I think it, it it plays out exactly the way it did, where where you know he helps him uh, die in the end by the sword, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because that was one of the things he he says, "I want to die," you know, by my enemy's sword or my own, and so he kind of helps him with that, and that's a scene at the end where. Uh, they all get gunned down by the Gatlings and then, you know, and then the rest of the, the soldiers kind of pay homage to Katsumoto, which is another one where if you don't understand what this film is and you, and you, you read into it and want to be offended, like they're like, oh, now they're bowing down to the white savior. Tom Cruise is like, no, you idiots, they're bowing down to Katsumoto. They, they recognize because these guys understand what samurai were because these were all conscripts, right? We've got to remember that the Japanese army was conscripts. They were they were peasants that were forced to be in there. And so they see they didn't they didn't want to have that battle. They didn't want to do that fight. But, you know, th that's they're forced to do it. And so they see him make his sacrifice and stuff like that. And so they bow down and pay their honor to him. I think I would have just liked to seen Tom Cruise die of his wounds at that point, you know? One thing is we one thing we don't see in many movies is a unrecognized death, right? and and when I say that I'm gonna point back to Collateral, where 
you know, if, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't seen that movie, I don't want to get too into what happens. But there is a there is a death in this in this movie that kind of comes out of you, you you're you're. I don't want to say you're not Left expecting field. it, but it but it, it's unusual in the fact that it doesn't get the the uh, attention that deaths normally do. Um, and it's 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 not a it's not one of the major characters uh, we mentioned with Max and Vincent, Well, you you said you were going to talk about it. I, I know, but but I'm, right now I'm kind of backing away because I don't want to give that away. <laughs> but I want to I want to talk about you know there was another movie to live and die in L.A. Uh, that I saw many. You know that was back in the in the 80s. I think I saw that, but it was the first movie that really showed a character that was the main character for three quarters of the movie, and then they just kind of kill him off ungracefully. And I haven't seen this since then, so I, I might be remembering <laughs> this wrong. But they kill him off, and they they pick up with another another person that just kind of finishes it. And it's not like the actor. Sounds like died. Game of Thrones. This is this is the same actor that was the lead in CSI. So I mean, it's not like. It's not like Grissom. It, uh, is it Grissom? Is he the one? Yeah, he was the main main CSI, the the original one. And look up to live and die in L.A. It's the same. It's the same actor, and um, and he dies about three quarters of the way through, and then they just kind of finish the movie with someone else. But it was, it, it was the first time I ever saw a death that where they. The, the lead died and they just kind of went from there. It's, it, it was a very fascinating Gus, is it Gus Grissom? <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so they, they do the same thing in, in, in collateral. And, and, um, and the reason I bring it up is because you were talking about a possible Tom Cruise death or in, in last samurai. And it would be interesting if, cause there was a moment when they're all kind of charging towards the end that last battle and and he get he takes some shots and goes down and and Kazimoto goes down and it yeah. there I part of me thought that maybe they might just let him you know die and then and then follow Kazimoto to the to kind of his graceful death and, and yeah honorable death I almost... and then and then that that's it um almost yeah. like it was I uh, I kind of think that would have been a better ending personally in my mind and I and I I said this to Alyssa when we were watching it um, I was like he should have died in that uh, that should that should have been the end of it I get where they were they were given Quasimodo or not Quasimodo uh, <laughs> no, I think it was I uh, Will <laughs> uh, Will Peter- Peterson is uh, Doctor Gil Grissom from uh, CSI Gil so Grissom you, Gus not Gus yeah, yeah Gil. <laughs> yeah and Will yeah, Peterson is is to live and die in L A in his yep, repertoire of movies it. yep. There you go. Yeah, but Katsumoto, you know, they they wanted him to have his big moment, right? Which this is this is where Hollywood got gets involved because the the actual samurai that he was kind of being portrayed as uh, died in just a regular battle, um, and then the rest of his samurai then did the charge, kind of like kind of like it plays out. So. I get it. It it adds a little Hollywood to it, um, you know, which I don't. I'm not 100% sure if that if that qualifies for you know dying by the sword of your enemy with you know. But he did die on his own sword, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I I kind of wish Tom Cruise wouldn't have survived. Now the the scene where he goes afterwards and goes to the emperor is a very powerful and potent you know moment because he 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 basically gives the 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 young emperor some balls essentially and says look don't forget your past you, you know this guy didn't he didn't he wasn't fighting you he was fighting you know this this wrong direction you were going into to lose your past 
and so the kid the kid gets it you know and, and what an interesting uh uh countenance the 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 emperor had he was cast he didn't have many lines but he just had this look on his face of terror the whole time like he was afraid of 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 everything and 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 well imagine being a, a young boy and everybody treats you like a fucking god yeah i mean there's there's the scene where where quatsimoto is in there and he's like he's like tell me what to do and he's like no no i can't tell you what to do because you are so far above me you have, you know, and 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 that's the moment where you realize that he, he is not a terrorist. He is not fighting against the emperor. He's fighting for the emperor, but fighting the bad shit that the emperor's people under him are doing. Right. It's it's very much the challenge that fathers have when they're teaching their children of how do you. Oh my God. <laughs> how, do you, how do you inspire? Not you know you can't just tell them what to do. It's yeah. Just some there's a moment where they need to take the reins and do and and oh my God. So so let me ask you this. It just made me think of that when you're talking about that. Um, uh, I didn't I didn't have any sons, so it didn't happen with me. But you know you always hear about the stories of of when the son finally challenges the dad, right? You know, the, when you go out, all right, fuck it, old man, let's go. It's time. It's time to go. I didn't have that moment, but that was because uh, me and my dad were messing around when I was like probably 14, and I broke some of his ribs, and he wouldn't wrestle with me anymore. So I, <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't think I needed to, even needed to fight with him. It was just one of those like we knew who was physically better at that point. But it's you know you always hear about that. You know, uh, there's there's some great country songs about it. I think it's there's a Garth Brooks song uh, that's you know the night I fought the old man kind of thing, and like you know. You yeah. talk about that. It's like I have moments with my dad that I can, I can, I can talk about. I don't know. Did, I don't know if I'm. Did you ever go in the backyard and just throw down though? No, it was more. It was more some of the said things we said to each other that that really. Okay. Uh, I've yet to meet anybody that's just physically, you know, just throwing fists with their father. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. I I just want to know that. I want to. I want to meet those people and talk to them. I. It, it, it's crazy, but yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it, it was a very fatherly figure, and yeah, he's like, he's like, look, I. It's the I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink. Yeah. Kind of thing, and 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 they do it in, in incredible ways, and you know, he even says he he even says it. You know, if you if you give me the command, I I will take my life right now. You know, he would commit uh, seppuku for him. And so, and, and Tom Cruise even says the same thing at the end where right. this is another one where, yeah, they're like, oh, the last samurai. No, no, Tom Cruise was not the last samurai. He was never a samurai. Don't, don't get it confused. Um, that, at least to me, he was. And I understand why people think it was because they, they make it ambiguous. Uh, one of the other things that really, <laughs> there's one other part that bugged me. I like the fact of what it was, but I hate the way it was executed. So in that in that last charge, there's the the general that uh, I don't know if it's the very last charge, but one of those last charges, uh, Tom Cruise throws his sword and kills the guy that uh, you know was. Those are not throwing weapons. I don't I don't care how fucking good you are. You don't you you don't throw those fucking swords forty feet and stab someone in the chest like that. That just. No, I, I, it would have been so much better if he would have just wrote him down and fucking took his maybe, head. Maybe he was practicing that in his off-screen time, you know, could, you know, doing the 
maybe had a, no. had, a, had a tree in the back and it's like okay all i gotta do is get him within 20 feet and if i can just i out. well i mean <laughs> the samurai typically carry spears too i would have been if, if he would have just pulled a spear and threw it i would have been fine with, like that would have been a cool move if like he read ran you know ran by and like pulled the spear from the ground that was already sticking out of some dude picked it up and threw it at him now that would have been a badass move too perfect or just ride up on him and cut him down like that would have been, you know, but throwing the sword, I was kind of like, mm, come on, man. I'll pull out his Vincent weapon and just go tap, tap right to the, to the chest, <laughs> one to the forehead. I mean, he, he he was he was a marksman. He that would that was proven. That was the other thing that was um, a little uh, fabricated. So at the time, uh, in actual history, and and I read about this today, uh, the samurai actually were using uh, guns and stuff too. Uh, they they were not so opposed to to using guns that they they wouldn't use them. And one of one of the reasons they had the big battle that they did at the end and charged and stuff like that was because they ran out of ammo. <laughs> it's like uh, we well, can't maybe, shoot them anymore. Maybe not all the samurai. Maybe these these particular warriors were more t- in touch. No, with no, them. it was written as like it was like yeah, shit, we're out of ammo. We got to get in close so we can we can cut these guys up. And and so that's what they did. So um, one of the other scenes that. To me, was uh, a magical, magical sword fight scene, and, and makes every little boy want to be a samurai. Is when the ninjas attack. Oh yeah! Right, and and Tom oh. and Nathan is there to kind of spot the one on the roof and save the day. Yeah, that well, okay, a little bit of white savior there. I'll give you that. Oh, uh, I'm he, sorry, he, that's not what I meant. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but no. I mean, well, it's it's one of those things. Is he just happens to you know he's that kind of guy that maybe his his mentality his his training never lets him settle down and he's always kind of checking his perimeter and so yeah he notices that big fight awesome fucking fight like um the sword fighting in this was was crazy good too and this is where i mean he defends i mean he gets in that final room where it's katamoto it's also uh take and the kids and he ends up protecting like the guy was going to cut the kid down and he he takes him out it's like oh it's just yeah. going and going you're like Whoo! oh I was, I was sweating after that scene i was like oh my god I, I feel like i was in a battle like it was it was so fabulous what'd you think of the uh choreography in the nightclub scene in collateral to me I thought the editing was a little uh, slow, like like it kept <laughs> it kept feeling like there were delays and and to to the point where it, if it went down a lot faster, it it felt like it would have been more believable. But it, the the way they kind of stretched it, it felt a little unbelievable. Um, okay, I got to check something just because I I think I looked at this earlier and 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 it's funny that you bring up editing. Uh, it won. I it believe. was like nominated for an Academy Award or something for editing. For editing, I didn't. <laughs> for think, to me, that was not. It's. I, I thought the scene when they go into the uh, to the club and meet with uh, with Felix was. Yeah. Was they cut away from it at times when it just felt like it was so. I was so involved in the scene. The last thing I want to do is cut away so that they can cut to some footage on a cab driver. So, you know. So, uh, editing was not my favorite thing on this. To me, it was something different. But but well, anyway, that's, that's what so, cracks me up is that yeah. it was it was nominated for for editing. It was Sometimes like, I think heck? awards come out of like we need to uh, we need to honor the there was something good about this, so let's just give it this. You know, or I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree I with you. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how Academy Awards works, but um. <laughs> nobody does. That's what <laughs> that's what makes it uh, crazy. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, there were those were scenes. I I did enjoy that. That was probably one of the most enjoyable scenes of it was when they was in that the the nightclub with Felix and stuff. That that was. I enjoyed that more, and then and then after that, when it kind of went out, and then they were chasing around, and and this is where that we have the transformation of of uh, Max, where all of a sudden now he's gonna kill the girl that was in his cab that he fell in love with because she talked to him. Yeah. And all of a sudden now that that gets him some balls and he changes. I, I had a hard time with that too. It was like really some of the like, scenes were a little stretched. I didn't, but but I I bought into the fact that he would do what he could to. You know the call, the phone call. That I thought that was that was made the sense. Um, but when he, but when he, t then all of a sudden he flips, and now he's the killer, and all of a sudden he's he's got good shot. Like if you've never shot a gun, that shit just don't come to naturally. And if you don't practice at it, it doesn't come naturally. I love the shot of when Tom Cruise is going for his reload, and the train. Even though the, well, the and there's also that train sequence when they're about they're trying to go out. And they can't because they know Vincent's covering the yeah. covering the exit and the way that's played out. And yeah, it, it takes its time and you get a feel for this. They're just trying to get away, but they can't leave the they can't leave the train or the metro until until with with him covering the door. So they have to stay there. It's like their only exit is completely shut off because <laughs> they have to pass through this this zone of fire. Um, but, uh, but I love it when he goes to reload and I, I'm not gonna, you know, at the very end, um, when Vincent has to reload and, yeah. and drops the, uh, drops the second, uh, or the, the next cartridge. Um, I, the way he played that again, he, he really had that, he, he played it, he played it light. He didn't, he didn't over, overact. It was, uh, <laughs> there, there was something just the way he did it that, that, that. Tom Cruise brought to that role that made that so effective. Okay, um, uh, okay, I'll give it to you. Like you said, I, I, I was. I, it just was just, one of those. And then he just sits down, and it's you know he brings up what he talked. I I don't think he needed to bring up what he talked about at the beginning about the the person driving you know on the on the metro not being discovered for hours. I thought I right. thought they could. He didn't need to bring it up because they talked about it at the beginning, and it kind of. It could have been something that someone could have just discovered. It's like, oh, didn't he talk about that? Uh, but yeah, here I am well, being yeah. a little. I'm being. I'm being. Uh, I I don't want to give this all away because I want. I want our audience. I want our viewers to see it and prove that Noah doesn't know what he's talking about. Calling this like <laughs> a not a bad movie, but it's just not. <laughs> well. I'm right though. It's oh. not a bad movie, but it's not. It's not a. It's not it's as rewatchable as you think it is. But it's your tone, man. It's your tone. It's my tone. Okay. <laughs> what's what's that? There's a movie where it's like it's your tone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I. I mean, I get it. If if you love this movie and and I shit on it, I can I can understand. Because I mean, if you came out firing like, oh, Last Samurai was the bullshit, I'd probably so, be. I, I'd be firing back too. There's only a few movies I own on Amazon Prime that I purchased. Uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunder, uh, not Beyond Thunderdome. Mad Max, um, what's the what's the Fury movie? Road? Fury Road. I bought that because that is epic. And maybe we could podcast about that one day. I haven't seen that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't oh, seen it. Really? I know. Oh, I know. interesting. Maybe you'll shit on I, it. I don't know if, if you shit <laughs> on this movie. And and I got collateral and and in a lot of the movies that we've podcast on that I couldn't find anywhere else that I purchased or rented. Yeah, no, I I got you. I mean, there's there's movies I bought too. No, I I, <laughs> I get it. There's certain. I mean, 
there's certain movies that really resonate with people and and it for whatever reason and i understand that because there there's certain movies that i like i went uh, farewell I to the king it's on hbo max so bo watch it and next time we podcast uh, we can maybe have a little five-minute window where we discuss it, <laughs> where, and <laughs> where where Bo comes in and tell. I mean, Nina might Nina might have watched these too, and she can absolutely, come in and talk. absolutely. Or or if if you're still listening to this and you have some comments to make, <laughs> I think you should email us at the hwsi.podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Absolutely on these on on our uh, Tom Cruise uh, double feature uh, where we talked about Collateral and The Last Samurai. Which which one is the better movie? I I. I I'm just curious what people. I know what IMDb says, and I know what Rotten Tomato says, but I want to know what you got. Is what is what is Rotten? What do they say? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes actually had. Well, both of them have uh, Last Samurai as a higher rating. Really? Um, Okay. Yeah, but it's not by much. I was surprised. uh, I was surprised. Collateral is like a 7.2, and Last Samurai is like a 7.8 or something like that. Um, So, uh, and then I can't remember offhand. I was really surprised, uh, very interested in, and I think this, this is a very interesting thing when you go into Rotten Tomatoes is their scores. Critic scores uh, tend to be very low compared to viewer uh, audience scores, and uh, I, I, the the discrepancy in it, it it just amazes me in a lot of things. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about these, and, and it's like. Last Samurai is like a 66 to like an 88. And it's like, how are, uh, you know, but I've always said movie critics suck at telling you what movies are good. Because they, 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 they have to, I don't know what it is. It's like they have to come up with some, oh, I've got to be different than everybody else. So some of these people come up with this most absurd, like fucking why they don't like movies and, and rate them really low when audiences are like in the 90s and you got critics are going, oh, no, this is a horrible movie. You're like, well, fucking people like it, so what the hell? Okay, so 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 Rotten Tomatoes does have collateral at 86% as far as reviewers and 84 for audience, and they have... Drumo, please. Last Samurai at sixty-six percent for reviewers and eighty-three percent for audience. So it's still a notch below on audience as well. So yeah, I'm not looking. Well, at I mean, B, you already told me what that was, but, but yeah, it's, but on Rotten Tomatoes, Collateral does. And, and that's why I don't think I think uh, Rotten Tomatoes is 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 off. I don't know. There's something wrong about Rotten Tomatoes. They just <laughs> I, I've never cared for their their system. It's just it's a weird system. Uh, it's like they. Especially with critics, I don't know what the the problem with critics on that. Um, so on IMDb, it's a one uh, seventy five to a um, seventy eight. So they should have cool. like a like a website called Rotten Rotten Tomatoes that reviews the Rotten reviewer, Rotten Tomatoes that reviews the reviewers and basically gives them ratings. Well, you know what's funny is I I went on one time. Uh, oh, you know it. Um, I, I know we're we're jumping ahead into our MCU viewing, but recently, and I don't think you've seen it yet, but uh, the newest one, the Miss Marvel, uh, there it's coming. I've out. watched I've watched a couple episodes. Okay, based so, on some of our our texting with. with so the Facebook MCU is, team. yeah, Facebook has been going crazy with like, oh my god, it's the highest reviewed, you know, uh, MCU movie or show or whatever, and I'm like, really, like what the fuck is going? So I went and looked at it. Um, it only has eight critics review it and they all liked it so apparently that's that makes it the highest review now eight it was eight at the time i looked at it then you go over to like wandavision it had eight pages of critics review it 
Okay. I think and it, I, I like, will, and it's like know, twenty per. <laughs> no, I know it. It there's a, there's a scale of a volume that you need to look at, and but it, that's not the only thing. There's there's so many other factors that make right. I just at, think it's funny that they go, oh, it's the highest reviewed, and I'm like, yeah, because only eight people watched it. But one thing you got to know about Miss Marvel is it's for kids. I mean, it's I was watching it, and I think it's got a lot of style. But it reminded me of a Nickelodeon show, you know. So it it does to a point. No, and, I'm, and I'm I'm just saying that I'm not I'm not dissing. Yeah, we'll, it. We'll, just, I'm just we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about it on our MCU group. That, that's uh, hard. For sure. that's, that's hard to distinctly compare it to something like WandaVision and Miss Marvel. It's that they're completely different. Oh, I know. Yeah, but that's what cracks me up. Different audiences in mind. It's, it's these it's these sites that were like trying to 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 pump it up. Like, oh my God, it's the high. You know, where most people are like, it's all right. It's not the best. It's all right. But they're like, they're like, oh my God, this is the greatest. And it's like, but it also has the lowest viewership of any Marvel show ever, too. So you know, it's funny. As much as I was enjoying it, you know, even though it is does feel to me like it's for kids but but i loved the the lead but she reminded me oh, so yeah. much of Haley, uh the one that's in oh Haley atwell or yeah. uh, Haley atwell it, it at times she's almost like the spitting image of of that uh, of that actress from from that that role in hawkeye. Uh, in hawkeye and you know i know her from true true grit and and some of her other roles that it almost was distracting it's like <laughs> Even though she, I, I think this this isn't more of an Indian role where I don't know what. I, I mean, she's just a. Uh, she's just Caucasian yeah. American, uh, right? No, the, and well, and that's so. This, I'm not. I don't. You know why I want to talk about it in this one, but yeah, that's one of the things is like, so many of your people are defending this because oh, it's it's hitting all the diversity buttons and all that. And it's like yeah, okay, you can hit all those, but make a good show with it. Don't just. Just don't go. Oh, it's a good show because it hits those buttons. And I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not saying it's not a good show. Yeah. And I'm not. Uh, and and we'll get into it later. I don't want to get too much into it now. Uh, but it, it it's one. Of, it just cracks me up how how much critics uh, reviews are are either you know praised or or nullified by how you feel about something. Because like you know when I looked at IMDb and I looked up some of the the uh, I guess they call it the meta score which is typically the critics and the, the written media about it from like, you know, people that are supposed to know. And some people, people just that are shit supposed on to know. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So, uh, I mean, when we grew up, what'd we have, we had Cisco and Ebert, right? They had a, a weekly yeah. show. It was all about the and, thumb. Was that right? Thumb yeah. Up thumbs up or was or it th down? <laughs> now I remember watching was it two thumbs up. Cause that, yeah, was, I remember watching those guys shit. and listening and listening to some of the stuff they say. And I was like, you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like they don't, they don't crit most critics don't take into account what the average person is going to enjoy. Well, you know, I think when you deal with critics and my brother and I discussed this when we were, I, I even made a little comic character loop in his critic. It was something that I was trying to animate. <laughs> yeah. but, Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> but, but, but when you, when you listen to critics and, and Siskel and Ebert always displayed this because you couldn't hear two thumbs up without actually watching it. Because when you watch right. it, you'd see the, or like, or one thumb up or one thumb down because you'd see the argument. And that was essential in really understanding if a movie was good or not. Because knowing a critic's review has so much to do with the critic. They bring yeah. their they bring their baggage, and it's almost like yep. when you decide to be a, a critic or a reviewer, you need to give your 
your life history and say, here, here's my baggage. And so, yeah. so when you hear my review, you know, reference that as to why I like or don't like a movie. There was this critic in uh, Duncan Shepard in San Diego Reader that I would love his reviews. He it was a, it was like a four star scale, and every like ninety percent of the movies he gave a black dot or one star to. It was just like he was brutal, but everything he wrote was so fascinating that it was interesting. It was like it was like okay. Okay, he's going to give everything, almost everything, a bad review. But he th was so thoughtful in it, and and so it was worth going to him and listening to him what he had to say. Even though, like, like one star was like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, to me, I, I get that. Like, you, if if you find a critic that you enjoy or 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 agree with, you, essentially, yeah, you connect with, you can understand who they're. So they're yeah, from. so it yeah. sounds and it sounds to me like uh, you found a critic that oh, if he only gives this a one star, then it's probably pretty good. It sounded like the guy was <laughs> like his whole thing was like I'm a shit on everything. There's no perfect movie, and to me, I that's I that's why I don't like critics well, in general. But I always was was drawn into his discussion, his his articles because it's almost like he threw out the. He talked the, a lot about a film stuff, huh? He talked about a lot of scenery and and shots and and directing, didn't he? That's yeah. why you were intrigued by it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> no, no, so he did. But I know that, that. I mean that. <laughs> we know that about you, and we know that about me. <laughs> You are going to look at a movie and go, oh, my God, did you see how he framed that and how he shot this? And I'm going to like, did you see how it exploded and those boobs jiggle across the screen? <laughs> we, we know the different things about what we, we talk about, and, and we got that, and that's okay. And so, like I said, you find a critic that you you, you agree with and you, you understand where they're coming from. And when they like something, you're going to like it. When they dislike something, you're probably going to dislike it. And that's where... You, you have to find critics that you, you, you got to take them with a grain of salt and you got to find the one that's, that, that is in the same mindset as you. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And, that's, and maybe that's why we, we, you know, you like collateral so much more than I do well, is because. And that's why listening to podcasts, I mean, we're kind of spoiling. I don't, that, this is one of the reasons why I don't want to spoil too much about collateral. Uh, we do, because, I don't because, think anybody's listening to this if they well, haven't watched it. Okay, but. Well, not necessarily, but so I, but I, I, I want <laughs> someone to be kind of intrigued by my point of view. If they've listened to this podcast and they kind of have a connection with the way I, I see movies, maybe they might say, mm -hmm. Hey, fuck Noah, I'm going to go watch this movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I never said not to watch it. I just said, <laughs> don't bring your phone with you. Cause you probably won't fit past the phone test. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I can see where people would like it. I just there's no boobs in collateral, so you know. No, there's no action. I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's very little action. It is very much a dry movie. If 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 I, I'm going to be honest there's, with you, it's not. And I I would say it's kind of it's got kind of a poetry to it, but not in the cocktail sense of the the barman. Um, <laughs> The barman. Yeah, film. no, it's 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 kind of like a bad jazz where they're sitting there snapping and you're listening to someone talk jazz and you're like, oh my god, really? <laughs> That's legit. No, there is jazz talk in it. So, uh, right. Well, okay. So, actually, one of my 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 more interesting scenes for me is when they go to the jazz bar. Okay. Right, and they and they talk to the to the the owner, right, and they're going into the history and stuff like that. 
And then, you know, he pulls the shit he does at the end. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, it just, it was so odd. And so, I, I mean, you almost, it was almost to him when it was like, oh, you're starting to like this guy. You're starting to like, oh, no, no, I don't like him at all. He's a dick. Like, it, it, they, they pulled the wool over your eyes a little bit. But that, to me, talk about acting, right? That was uh-huh. one of the better acting scenes also in in uh, the whole. And it wasn't even Tom Cruise. It was it was the guy he was talking to, the, the, the bar owner. Yeah. He probably outacted both of those, Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise in that scene. Like, it literally, to me, that was like, that was like the teacher at a high school drama class acting or, with their students. Or even the, the hospital scene with the, with the mom. Oh, you know, the mom, right. You know, she's hilarious talking, you know, and the way she's treating her son and then the way she's treating right. Vincent like he's this, this, you know, this, you know, guy from heaven that's come to yeah. bless him with flowers and <laughs> bless her with flowers. Well, that, I mean, that was that was kind of a cool, you know. He goes, he goes. You're visiting someone, and you you're buying fucking flowers. Yeah, you know. It, it, there were some little things about it, like they they tried to make a bad guy likable. That's what this movie is: is is trying to make a bad guy likable. <laughs> that that's really what it is. Is it's Tom Cruise is like, can we make him a bad guy, and you're still gonna like him? What do you think you're of his gonna... look with the gray hair? Uh... Oh, okay. So we actually come when we first saw it. It was like, did did he actually put gray like? Is, is he trying to look what what is <laughs> like so um i didn't think about it too much uh when i was first watching it, other than like that's strange that's a that's a bold take for him where he's trying to look older a little bit but then when i read that thing that the the premise of how the idea of the uh vincent was supposed to be the invisible man essentially like he could walk in and out of a a scene and nobody notices nobody remembers him nobody right. can describe him that was kind of what that was is uh the gray man right have you ever heard the, the 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 phrase like the gray man it's it's supposed to be a man that is just so gray that he's undescribable un unrememberable and so that's kind of what that was is he's wearing a gray suit the whole time he's got the gray hair it, it's it's that persona of the gray man and yeah. i was like and i and i didn't even think about it until i read the stuff today and i was like oh okay i get it they didn't tell me that in the movie. Like, I didn't get that from watching the movie, but reading it afterwards, I'm like, okay, I get it now. It was, See, it was, that's, a, that's, it was an intriguing, that's, it was an alternate look from Tom Cruise, and so it's oh, for sure. when everyone saw it for the first, but by, you know, halfway through, See, you're not even thinking about it. Now, there there's some dialogue that should have been in the movie. Like, he should have went into some, some description of how he played, like, he's like, how look, he, I'm, I'm, I'm unrememberable. How he washed his hair, you know? No, no, no! Like, like his 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 um, thought process on and on how to be a good assassin. It's like I'm I'm rememberable. Like I could walk away from this and you couldn't describe me because I'm so you know I'm bland. I'm this. You know what I mean? Like describe I, the I, fact that I he's... disagree. I think I think that's of course you that, do. That's I think that's stuff that that is better unsaid and kind of un- understood. But did you know that? Did you know that was supposed to be part of the persona? Absolutely. The way I mean. He did it every time he killed someone, the way he just kind of turned away and walked slowly away, which kind of drew towards, you know, it it painted that picture of who he was. What do you think of of Jason Statham showing up at the beginning? I'm looking at his IMDb and and it looks like this was right after the transporter, but he it was like it was probably shot while he was doing the transporter because it was in. 
2002 that he did the transporter. I I don't know I, if it it seemed a little unusual that he was the first character you see walking through the airport, you know, knowing that he's been in so much. But at the time, right, right, probably, right, probably no one knew much of who he was. You know, I you know I it doesn't even ring a bell. Oh, okay. I mean, I I kind of I kind of remember that you say it now, but then I also I'm like, yeah, it doesn't ring a bell at all. So I yeah, maybe it's just seeing it after I've you know and and knowing the movie, and then suddenly I I rewatch it uh, right earlier today, and he's the first person. It's like oh. That's right, Jason Statham, and and you just see him for a moment, and that's it, you know. Well, I mean, I get that because I've wa- I've watched uh, Last Samurai multiple times, and in the time I watched it this time, the the White Tiger thing jumped out at me so much yeah. more this time, um, and and uh, you know there was that there was also like I loved the character uh, the characters in this. Um, there was uh, uh, Kitsumoto's son, who is the one that. Um, He's kind of the young. He's kind of the one that runs the village. He's he's the major archer. He's also kind of the happy-go-lucky uh, guy that's in the house with Taka when when um, Tom Cruise's character's in there, and he's like learning to. He asks for more rice, and and he he I think he speaks uh, Japanese for the first time. Just he's he's got such a a charisma about him that the, the character, the son of uh, Katsumoto. And uh, he's the one that gets his top knot cut off. Uh, oh, in right. The and ends up getting, yeah, right at the end. Oh, my God. Sure. That guy, like, watching it again, I forget every time until I see him again, like, how much of a cool character and how much you're, like, how how hard it is to watch him um, sacrifice himself at the end, right? You know, what do you, he, he, what do you think about the fact that Tom Cruise was the one that kind of came in and said, no, cut his knot off, or, or, ba- or basically tried to save him by by letting them do that um do well think- what okay so what i got from that scene is that he was ready to uh like he he was taking the abuse and then till and tom cruise soap and then those guys kind of came at tom cruise and that's when he starts to pull the sword like he's going to defend tom cruise and tom cruise is like no if you do that they'll kill you in the street so um not necessarily that like tom cruise came in and saved him more like he was like, look, it's not worth it. You know what I, I mean? I, was, I was meaning it from the from the standpoint of Tom Cruise came in and took away his took away his opportunity to have a to to die for his honor. You know? And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would have called that a good death, though. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Is like to to die in the street against four guys for for just because they like the whole point is is that the 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 emperor at this point because of who's talked to him is his kind of uh, outlawed samurai right samurai have become a bad thing so they're basically it's not racist because they're they're all the same race but it's kind of like classist you know it's like oh you're no longer you know it'd be like uh you know anybody wearing nikes anymore we're gonna we're gonna cut you down in the street you know you can't wear nikes anymore kind of thing it's it's one of those things and so I didn't. I didn't have a problem with Tom Cruise coming up and saying, "Look, it's it's not worth it." You know, almost trying to say, like, you know, I I, I get what you're saying is like, you know, did he did he did he steal something from him? No, he kind of kept him calm, but he needed him at that mm-hmm. point too because they were going to break out Katsumoto. Um, so I, I I liked I liked the guy who was kind of 
the, the, ba- the, 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 the mean, the mean guy. <laughs> no, the one that was, that was, uh, following, uh, Oh, Bob. Uh, yeah, Bob. Exactly. I, I liked, I liked, even though he never really spoke, did he? I don't think he did. Uh, nope. but, uh, but, but did you notice in the, the ninja scene, Bob was kicking ass. Bob was kicking ass and, and <laughs> he had a good death too in the end too with, Oh, they all, yeah, they all kind of did, but yeah, Bob, Bob, I one I love that because he, you know, the whole time he's like, hey, Bob, so uh, you know, just talking to him random, and he's just walking with him. His whole job was basically there to make sure he didn't do anything stupid and didn't get himself in trouble. Because like you notice when he gets to uh, Katsumoto's uh, home or castle or whatever, Bob just then walks off. <laughs> Bob reminded like, yeah. me in the in the game. I don't know if anyone any of our listeners played Tomb Raider back in the day. But whenever you go through the training course at the beginning of Tomb Raider, there's the butler that follows you wherever you go with the uh, with the drinks or I don't know, like it's carrying a tray. And that's what Bob <laughs> felt like with Tom, with his character as he was wandering around. He was just like magnetically attached. <laughs> well, essentially, he, he was he was Tom Cruise's um, escort. He, he's, he's kind of like his bodyguard and, uh, you know, well, escort to the, make sure in the beginning, I think it was like to make sure he. He, he was a prisoner and that he was the guard kind of well, give, he give was him a, freedom, but at the same time, always be there yeah. to make sure he didn't get do anything he wasn't supposed to. I Well, and so my other favorite character uh, was, um, I can't think of his name offhand, but he was uh, the main um, samurai that kind of, kind of like the second in command. You know, he was he was kind of the badass. like The one that uh, pops him on the head a couple, you know. Oh, beats count, his ass with yeah. that stick. Uh, I liked him a lot. I, I, he was really cool. Um, I love, and it's, it's a weird part cause this is, this is kind of another one of those where, where they, uh, Taka says that, uh, you would honor our family by wearing this armor and he, and it's the armor of her husband, her deceased husband. Um, and he, you know, they go, the whole scene comes out and then he comes walking out wearing it and everybody turns and looks at him and the guy walks up and you're like, Oh shit, he's about to unload on him. And he basically just reaches up and grabs the chest plate and kind of checks it to make sure it's in the right spot. And I was like, like, to me, that's one of those ones where it's like, it's that uns- unspoken respect, you know, and, and that's, you know, he gains essentially. He earns, he earns it. It's not given to him. He earns it by working his ass off because he gets he gets his ass handed to him a lot and he learns and he, and he gets better. And, and so it's one of those is when you, when you earn the respect of the badass, right, that it's kind of a cool point. And that, and that's where that scene was. And and he was in there and like, you know, I mean, there's that, I think he's in part of that last charge, but after he's already been shot in the chest and like the guy is just a fucking animal. <laughs> he's like, he's such a, I, I loved all this. Before I for, before I forget about it, one of the things is um, when whenever there's a movie and they have these these big widescreen battles, right? A lot of sword fighting, or you know, especially like sword fighting and stuff like that. Um, if you look around, you can always find a group of people that are going about half speed of everybody else. You're like, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, Vikings was a show that I watched recently that has a lot of those scenes where you watch some of them and you're like, oh, yeah, those guys did not get the choreograph right. Like, <laughs> it's just bad. Watching the battles in this, I I watched them several times and I kept going. I could not find any that I was like, holy shit, these. It it was like they, they took, all right, 
You eight guys, you figure out your fucking battle. This is your little square, and you guys fucking go to town. And then, and they did that everywhere, and everybody's doing it at the same time, so nothing looks slow. Nothing looks. It's it's all fucking just badass. Yeah, and this is something where you know you talk about getting an Academy Award for editing. Um, that plays a huge part in the the, the ability to create a, you know sequences, battle sequences especially when you're looking in the background uh, because if you hold on too long and, and, you know, people run out of things to do in the background, it's like, yeah. the, it's like <laughs> the AI that, you know, that just you know, only have a few moves and that's it. Um, they, they did a good job kind of cutting these sequences together. So it wasn't too abrupt, you know, you, yeah. you, what is it? We were talking about Jackie Chan earlier who loves the, loves the fight scenes that basically are these wide shots that show everything going on and you don't cut because he knows how to fight and you can yeah. really sell it where he, he hates being in the movies where, you know, there's a cut every, every half second, um, which just, it can create the sense of chaos and, and, and good, good action. But if it's done to the point where you can't see what's going on, it's ridiculous. I think it, um, it can hurt the action too. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, no, that was one of the things I really enjoyed about this is is all the fight scenes were so freaking good. I and they all even they even had some some really uh brutal um makeup. You, you know, the, I someone gets sliced straight straight down the, the you know, from from the head and down yeah. to the chest and stuff. And and they they didn't overdo it like a horror movie, but it was enough to see that right. this was not just there was a lot of brutality going on. You see people getting sliced open and stuff. And well, and it was. And, and you know what? I always hate about movies, war movies, when they show the the battle scene and everyone's dead. Here they didn't do that. They had about half the people dead, and the other half were just writhing on the on the floor in agony and pain and stuff like that. And it's like, well, okay, now there's yeah. that's a little bit more realistic because because you, oh you my know, god, only only the lucky ones are gonna die. The rest are gonna. <laughs> Suffer. The, the <laughs> horse, the horse stunts with this too. Them falling with the horse. Yeah. Oh my god! There's one guy. I see him. He he he's prominent in about six times where he's fallen off the horse. It's the same guy. He is an expert at at <laughs> falling with a horse. He does such a good job in the in the armor. Crazy. And they um, do a good job with the explosions too. Around the when the horses are falling, they hey, probably have these little air guns or something that are blowing. <laughs> up, uh, dirt no, no, they like actually it's, they it's they actually had horses charges with, and then they just shot some some mortars into it. Okay. They, they they went realistic on this. I'm kidding. I'm joking. There was no horses harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> okay. Actually, I take that back. <laughs> there there is a well, okay. It wasn't a horse that was harmed, but there was a guy. Um, there is a hilarious scene, and I was reading on IMDb uh, right when we came up to the scene watching it, and it's so it's after um, uh, Katsumoto and, and Captain uh, uh, Algorin go out and they they meet halfway with the field with the the other guy and the general, and they're like, okay, you accept our, you know, I want you to accept our surrender, and like, no, no, and like, okay, and they're walking back, and it's when they come back into the the group. And Tom Cruise is about to get off his horse. The horse does this sideways kick and kicks a dude right in the fucking nuts. And he goes stumbling back super quick. Like, if you don't know it's there, you won't notice it. But I knew it was there. And so I watched it and I laughed my ass off. And then I rewinded it about six times watching it and laughing my ass off the entire time. I fucking was dying. Because it's one of those things is like, it's a great scene. Like, it's it's filmed perfectly. 
But there's just that one little thing in the background. If you know it's there and you watch it and you catch it, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> All right. And so, uh, yeah, I was laughing. Alyssa was looking at me like I was crazy, and uh, it was it was all good. Um, <laughs> good movies. Uh, I, I like I said, uh, Collateral is not a bad movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but well, it is it there, it is a good. To our listeners, decent. this is one of the reasons we podcast on on. I mean, I think this is a great example <laughs> of the fact that that we can we can discuss things. We come from different different. Uh, you know, we have different passions. We have different, yes. you know, th- things that drive us, and 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 yet, and yet, well, we don't always agree. But it's, it, but no, no, it's all about, and that's why we, and that's yeah. why we discuss these things, and I that, think, and that, that, yeah, I think it's it's more fun to have uh, disagreements that we can discuss rather than have you know just be all about. You know, everything like, being, oh, my God, that was so good. I mean, that's how Ragnarok's going to be, though. You know, we're, we're just going to all be gushing over Ragnarok. It, it's going to be the most gushy uh, podcast we ever do because who couldn't love that movie? <laughs> no, I know. I know Bo's, Bo's going to be coming with his with his sarcasm and his, well, his, the, his the trying to shit is, on me. <laughs> yeah, that's all fun and games, but it is a damn good movie. So it's <laughs> right. So. That's what I mean. <laughs> no, but it, it's all fun and games. Uh I, this was fun. This was kind of cool. I, I I like this this premise of doing a a, uh, a double feature for an actor. I I would love to do that again with you know we've got so many actors out there we could do that with. I mean we could go the comedy route with like uh, you know you've got guys like Eddie Murphy. You know it'd be fun to do kind of with him or uh, um, God why can't I think I'm I'm blanking on names. I, I had a couple. Well, we talked about Adam beer. Sandler. Uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, what's why am I uh, uh, fucking. Comedy genius, um, Mork for Mork. Um, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as I said it, came. I Robin Williams with with his range and his movies. I mean, it would be so interesting to see the the difference, like what you consider one of his better movies compared to what I consider one of his better movies. Just because he had such a wide range. Uh, I mean, there's guys like. Um, <clears throat> Oh, I'm blanking on names. This is this, I get to this point where I start. Uh, what's the guy from uh, Living Color? And then he did. Um, you mean Jim Carrey? Fire or... Jim Carrey. Yeah. Jim Carrey would be another one because he had another huge, huge range of movies too. That like you know, there's some that I love of his movies and some that I fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> so no, and, uh, and and it's interesting because I have a feeling that what the movie I'd bring to 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 the table when we talked about Jim Carrey, you'd probably like what the you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Um, which, which I want to reiterate that, that I think the movies we, well, the movie I brought was something that I thought was interesting in, in, in Tom Cruise repertoire. I did think it was a really good movie and really rewatched. <laughs> uh, is it his best? I don't know. He's got so much really good material out there, but this is something that's unique about his, his, uh, the movies he does. And, and you brought something that, that came from you. So I, 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 I like, I agree. I like how we're discussing this, well, no, bringing this, different this angles perfect, to, 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 yeah. different, to the same person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. And, and you're right. Tom Cruise has a ton of different roles and this is one that is different. And, and I probably would have never seen this had you not brought this up. Cause like, I wouldn't have gone back to watch this and, and not you that know, it made a difference. Not, <laughs> no, no, I'm not sad that I watched it. I just, <laughs> I, I don't think that I would ever go out of my way to watch it again. Just in, you know, like there's so many other movies I would rather watch, yeah. but it's not a bad movie. And it's not even, it's not even, I wouldn't even consider this the worst Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. I mean, so so there's that. 
Um, but no, I think this is fun. I would like to. I would like to hit this again. I. I don't think that we'll hit it again right away because we have uh, a lot of MCU coming up. I know next week we're going to be hitting uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Bo and Nina for uh, that, um, right. which will be good. Uh, then there's also a lot of other um, uh, Marvel stuff that was coming on. Uh, we have um, yeah, Moon Knight. That schedule. We're going to try to fit that in yeah quick yeah. moon Knight, and then there's also uh dr strange in the multiverse of madness and then uh within three weeks after that we'll be hitting uh uh, uh ragnarok which i mean that is going to be a fabulous uh episode no matter what happens um but i would definitely love to do this uh i will get a list of actors that i think we should hit and uh i think this is something that we come back with we'll call it our double feature uh, you bring one, I bring one, and we and we discuss. And I think it, uh, it'd be a lot of fun, because like I said, you definitely bring a movie that is is more your your style, uh, not necessarily something I'm 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 gonna have as the top of my game. But you never know, I might be surprised and be like, you know what, you're right, that was that was fucking fabulous. Because I do I do enjoy movies like that sometimes, where it, it's it's out of the blue. It's like I really like that that cinematography, hard hitting story where it's not the normal. Uh, action, blow them up, whatever. Uh, and I think I'll surprise you every once in a while with my picks. Just, just, you know, Adam Sandler. I, I know my pick on Adam Sandler is probably going to surprise a lot of people of what my favorite Adam Sandler is. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be fun. Uh, I'll get a list of uh, of actors together and we'll start picking off some of those. Uh, I like we'll it. Start calling it our, our uh, How We Sees It double feature. Nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was good. It, it, it 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 was uh, born out of a necessity to uh, fill fill in <laughs> this episode, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, good well, deal. We had it. We had it planned too. Uh, you know, eventually. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we, we, just, we had to fast track it. You know. <laughs> yeah, there's so there's so many things out there for us to do. It's just, uh, and there's only so many times and so many podcasts we can do. I mean. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm ecstatic that we're at 138. I mean that you know the average podcast doesn't get past episode 10, and here we are, uh, 139. I think I think yeah. it's great to get together you with you weekly and have a conversation. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what we're right. sharing with our audience. <laughs> well, we used to do it. We called them Friday nights, and uh, those uh, went by because we got busy and older, <laughs> and life took over, and and it is what it is. What, and, what, and what, people... what was it called? A, a good conversation. Uh, uh, a, a pleasant conversation. A pleasant conversation. That's what. That's what this is. Oh my god, that would have been an awesome name for a fucking podcast. <laughs> a pleasant conversation. There you go. <laughs> you could and you could put ple, pre, uh, <laughs> pleasant in like quotes. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that was fun, Steve. Uh, I guess we will see you again uh, next week, if not sooner. Um, oh, I, I did want to talk to you uh, about martial arts after after this. So uh, stick around. Okay. Uh, let people know. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. That's to and, me, uh, not the audience. That, you can you can sign yeah, off once we. <laughs> yeah, the rest of you don't care about that. Uh, but with that, I guess it's just hail Caesars. What does that mean? All right, hail Caesars. Good night. Good night.